You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Here are the hosts of the show, Jason and Mo. All right, welcome back to the Straight Shooting Podcast. Glad to have you with us. Thanks to all the Patreon supporters that support us on the show. Uh, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, that would absolutely be fantastic. Go to patreon.com forward slash AHP. Just wanted to thank all the people that support us on Patreon, all the sponsors and all the people that run ads on the show and uh, see the value in what we do. We really do appreciate Of course, this is the Straight Shooting Podcast and I've got Muzz on the line too. How you going, buddy? What's been happening? Yes, g'day, Jason, and welcome back, everyone, to the Straight Shooting Podcast. I apologise for my voice a little bit. I've had a sore throat recently and had a bit of a cold. And, uh, yeah, Jace, um, wow, what a absolute shambles of the uh, last couple of months for us shooters. It's been a whole bunch of events that, that's occurred. Uh, none of them are good for gun rights and shooting sports, and uh, we're, we're going to go through it all today, Jason. We're going to break it all down and discuss a few things that have been happening in just the recent state election as well. So, yeah, welcome back, everyone, to the show. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Stick around. We're going to be reading a lot of uh, listener emails and uh, comments. So uh, that'll, uh, that'll be good to, uh, good bit of listening there. Uh, Jason, tell me, uh, what's going on? Not much, man. I'm heading, uh, going on a bit of a trip soon, so we're going to try and do some deer hunting. I guess a lot of people out there will be heading out this time of year, start getting amongst hunting deer, and uh, for the ruts, that's going to be a good time. And uh, I bought a new gun a couple of, about a month or so ago, so I've been, I don't even think I told you about that. I uh, bought another sort of long-range rig, it's a 260 Remington, so bought another ticker, which is exciting, so hopefully I can get out there and uh, do some load development on that and, and start shooting some sort of long range and uh, trying sitting up at certain points and trying to you know use all the gear that I've purchased I've uh, got a rangefinder too over Christmas uh, I like a rangefinder so that's good too and um, just want to thank all the people that listen to the show we've got good results especially uh, guys with Mitch Brewer on the reloading podcast that we did just a couple of weeks ago really really good numbers and people really seem to enjoy that stuff as well uh, so that's something we're going to continue with into the future as well I never thought I'd actually enjoy it too Muzz this sort of you know long range shooting and hitting targets and uh, I enjoy it too and it seems to be very popular uh, amongst people that are listening to the podcast but uh, yeah mate just going to go on a bit of a hunt next week guys unfortunately Muzz can't go so hopefully he can uh, come on the the June long weekend trip and uh, try and get another deer but uh, you know as we always say about Muzz he spends more time videoing him than he does shooting them so <laughs> so you know that's that's all about the fun guys i think too and uh i was talking to a friend the other day mars actually and what i really enjoy about getting out there for me it's not even really about the shooting whilst i do enjoy that you know i like the serenity of it i like getting out there with mates sitting around the fire you know having something to eat talking shit just having a good time mate i think you know really that's what i really enjoy about it and you know like-minded friends out there you know, in the middle of a you know forest or on private property, just having a great time, mate. And ultimately, I think that is the, one of the best parts about shooting, mate, the camaraderie. Yeah, absolutely, Jason. It's uh, it really is good fun. And uh, like I said, like you said, actually, um, I don't get out enough, and um, that's going to change very soon. My my youngest is getting a little bit older and more independent, and uh, being able to, um, well, you know, we've got a lot of help now as well. A couple of babysitters, my mother-in-law especially, so. Now she now that she's on the mend, which is great. It gives us a little bit more freedom, my wife and I. So, yeah, I mean, like when you've got a young family and, and growing family, it does does chew up the majority of your time, and uh, it makes it difficult to get out there and go hunting. 
Yeah. What about your oldest son? Are you going to take him out soon? He's getting a bit older now. Is he showing any interest in it? Uh, no, he shows a lot more interest in playing computer games. <laughs> <laughs> what's he playing, yeah. Fortnite or what's... Uh... Uh, of course, the usual stuff, Fortnite and all that Call of Duty <laughs> and whatever it is. And, get him um, off his bum. You've got to get him out hunting and shooting. Yeah, yeah, I know, mate. I agree, I agree. And uh, look, I'm trying my best, but like I said, when, when my, I myself don't have uh, enough time to go out, <laughs> it's a bit hard to get the young one involved too but anyway but I will try my best yeah guys we've got a lot to talk about today this is probably going to be a fairly long podcast we've got a lot of audio uh, some things that are going to make you pretty much hair stand on end things we've been he- heard throughout the election of 2019 in New South Wales here uh, some that has myself and Mars absolutely flabbergasted beyond belief about the things that were said during the election and the people that we thought support us uh actually want to keep status quo type gun laws. So we are going to talk about that uh, in depth as well. We also heard about uh, the big massive issue with One Nation, about the alleged NRA donations, even though there weren't any, uh, and getting sold out by One Nation and the things One Nation was saying, scapegoating firearms owners after being caught out by Al Jazeera. Even though me and Muzz have had a discussion, Al Jazeera is pretty much left-wing propaganda. Uh, it's still the fact that, uh, unfortunately, they were caught out, and uh, we're going to talk about that as well. So what we'll do at first, Mars, we'll go into uh, some listener emails, actually, and on the Facebook as well. And uh, this was interesting because you guys on the last show know we were talking about Nigel Farage. Now, Nigel Farage was part of UKIP. Now he started his own exit or Brexit party uh, over the last couple of weeks, actually, I think. And we're talking about when he was discussing on our recent show about a police... What was it, Mars? Was he a police commissioner that actually sat in his car when someone was actually getting... Uh, attacked yeah. and didn't do anything, and we asked you yep. guys what you actually thought, and to write in and let us know what you what you thought about the situation and what you would do in a situation if a, a police officer was in, you know, getting someone was getting on top of them, for an example, and, and would you step in and help? So we actually got an email from uh, Lewis, I think it's Lewis or Louis L O U I S, I think it's Lewis, and he says, "Hi Jason, I thoroughly enjoyed the latest straight shooting podcast. Well, thank you very much for that. Your question: Should we help police in need? He guess it's a great question and one that I've been pondering for the last few days since hearing your discussion. Immediately after hearing you pose the question, for me the answer was, of course, yes. However, as I pondered further, my opinion started to shift, and I believe I would stand similar to you on this issue." I have reached the conclusion that the police are and should be trained well enough and equipped with the, uh, sorry, equipped to defend themselves and defuse a volatile situation without the assistance of a civilian. We are not permitted to carry or use any item for personal defence, i.e., mace, taser, or a firearm. Then how could we be expected to uh, assist effectively, and why should we risk our own well-being, including as LAFOs, our licences and our firearms, to help defend the police if they already have the uh, the means of self-defence? On a slightly different tangent, if I was a civilian at risk, I would think I would have no hesitation to step in and do all I could to, to help defuse a situation and provide aid. That was from Lewis. Yeah, um, Lewis, great great letter. Thank you very much, mate. Uh, we appreciate that, and I pretty much agree with everything you say. Yes, I agree. Um, I agree too. It's a very yeah. sad situation of affairs when uh, you, know, you, you have police that are sitting in their car, persons being attacked by a knife. <laughs> And, yeah, pretty much the, the authorities just refused to act and actually locked themselves in the car. I think it's pretty treacherous, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, I know people are human beings, and uh, sometimes they don't know how to deal with things. But, I mean, that's their job. That's what they're getting paid to do. Yeah, well, look, uh, it's it's just a shambolic state of policing, unfortunately, and in a lot of countries around the world that have just completely lost the plot, um, especially in, in Great Britain. 
as you can see. Uh, hopefully, we will not go down too far down that path in Australia, but certain signs, especially in Melbourne, showing me that we are. So, Absolutely. You know, and this is this is a worry. This is a, a, a real worry for for me personally because first of all, you've got the police that may not necessarily be well equipped for the job and may not be able to do the job, and then of course you've got the civilian who's not really allowed to do the, allowed to help out or allowed to use anything to to help out police and and to defend themselves with uh, certain items. And so you know, so you've got a, a a hopeless situation, quite frankly, where. The criminals really have all the, have more rights than most people. Absolutely, so, it's crazy. But anyway, here we go. Yep, and and you did bring up that too. So we might as well discuss that article very early on. Uh, we obviously saw the the shooting down in Melbourne. Muzz, you're aware of that, just probably about three or four days ago. And yep. uh, this is what Muzz was just talking about. What's happening in Victoria now? If we have a look at this article now, this is theage.com.au. Uh, Tammy Mills, April 14th, 2019. Premier stands ready to change gun laws if needed after Love machine shooting. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews will stand ready to reform gun laws if necessary following a chilling drive-by shooting outside a Melbourne nightclub. Shots were indiscriminately fired into a crowd of people standing outside Love machine in Paran just after 3am on Sunday. Three security guards and a patron were shot. One of the guards, 37-year-old Nari Warren man, Aaron Khalid Asami died in hospital and another guard is fighting for his life. Shootings like this rock the city, Mr. Andrews said on Sunday morning. Uh, then it says, and he goes on to say, I'm not aware of any further requests for additional gun law reform, but given recent events, if the police commissioner came to me and said he needed more, then of course we would stand ready to do that. Whenever the Victorian police have come to us seeking more powers or more resources, we've stood ready to do that. And we do now, Mr. Andrews said. Mars, how long have we been saying that the police commissioners <laughs> and the police pretty much run the show? This is the major problem that we are dealing with now uh, in regards to firearms, especially since how can you change laws and expect criminals to follow laws? They simply just won't. What laws would change what happened? None. Well, Jason, two points I'd like to make in regards to that. First of all, Correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the um, isn't the technical term for a mass shooting when four or more people are shot? If you, if you classify the FBI definition, yes. Yeah, so, well, really, there's four people that were shot in Victoria, so that's basically a mass shooting. It doesn't necessarily mean that four people have to die, but four people have to be shot, and it's a mass shooting. And that's what, you, you know, and, and this is the thing, right? Like, but they're not calling it a mass shooting because then, obviously, they would just cause all types of and other And then they'll problems. say, I always hear when they say too much, they go, oh, well, family disputes, like what we saw in Lockhart uh, down in New South Wales or Margaret River in WA, oh, yeah. they're not mass shootings because they're, uh, you know, running amongst family members. So don't worry about <laughs> that. That doesn't suit our agenda. They're just family domesticated exactly. shootings. Don't worry about exactly. that. Exactly. But it's still, it's still gun crime anyway you look at it, right? Okay, so in, in, their, in, in the way they frame the argument, it's still a gun crime, isn't it? So, um, so it's still a mass shooting under the under the uh, technical, um, I guess, explanation of it. It's still gun crime, but they don't call it gun crime or mass shooting. So you know because it doesn't suit their agenda. But uh, my, that's the first point I'd like to make. The second point is, is that look at this premier virtue signalling his uh, his toughness on guns. I mean, like I mean, these are illegal. You know, these are illegal acts by. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming performed by illegal firearms. Um, you know, like bikey related, gang related, it's got absolutely nothing to do with the average law-abiding shooter. Yet here we have the Premier of, of Victoria 
you know, pumping his chest out, oh, we're ready to change gun laws because I guess in this type of climate, just right after Christchurch, he feels he has some kind of moral authority to go ahead and do so. So, you know, it's just it's just quite weak and pathetic, uh, to be honest, and it's uh, so transparent. And I just find him absolutely detestable. It's like when they talk about gun laws and they say, we're staying ready to change gun laws. Like, it's just... They're so stupid, it's not even funny. How can you possibly think changing a gun laws would have affected this at all? What law, tell me, even remotely, Muzz, that you could even think of that if they had in place would stop a person doing a drive-by shooting? Well, well, obviously none, but, but we know the answer to that. But it's not just about gun laws, Jason. I mean, the Premier of, of Victoria, Daniel Andrews, is a far-left Premier any opportunity to attack conservatives, um, he's going to bounce, uh, pounce on it. And uh, usually a lot of conservatives, the people who vote conservatives, do have firearms. So, you know, any any opportunity that he gets to attack the conservative voter base, he's going to use it. So whether it be a drive-by shooting at a nightclub or whatever it might be, um, he's definitely uh, going to uh, try and exploit that for his political purposes. So that's the reason. All right, guys, we've got uh, another... Message from Ken coming in on the Facebook page. Now, he sent me a link to an article. It says, Gun Lobby Scales Back Campaigning in Wake of Christchurch Massacre, which we'll discuss a little bit later. So this is sydneymorningherald.com.au by Royce Miller and Farah Thomason, April 12, 2019. Australian's gun lobby will scale back its campaigning at the federal election, conceding that the Christchurch Massacre had made it harder for the industry to push firearms reform. And after plowing hundreds of thousands of dollars into the federal and state elections, the Shooting Industry Foundation of Australia, CIFA, has confirmed to rethink of its political strategy, including an end to the use of donations. CIFA was a busy donor at the 2016 federal election, helping to fund individual candidates such as senior Victorian Liberals Michael Suker and Dan Tehan, Nationals Deputy Leader Bridget McKenzie and her former colleague Damien Drum and a number of unsuccessful Senate hopefuls from the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party. It also helped bankroll campaigns, urging people to vote against the major parties at the last Victorian and Queensland state elections, including through the so-called not happy Dan ads, which attacked Premier Daniel Andrews. But with five weeks until the May 18 uh, federal poll, gun groups are planning to a more restrained campaign amid growing concerns about their political influence. Uh, you couldn't be a human being and not be affected by the Christchurch atrocity, said CIFA spokesman Laura Patterson of the New Zealand mosque shootings in which 50 people died last month. Miss Pat- Patterson said the Zydegus was not right for the gun industry as the campaigning in its own interests. She also informed that CIFA would no longer donate to parties or individual candidates. If you have a look back at our evolution, I think it's fair to say that we've learned a lot about our attempt to influence debate. We don't believe donations are effective. I also think the community believes political donations buy influence and are jack of them. Meanwhile, the National Branch of the Sporting Shooters Association of Australia has also flagged a limited election role, with the exception of a special election issue of its journal urging 190,000 strong membership to preference the Greens last. So again, mate, looks like again we're going soft again. Yes, well, um, that's definitely what it sounds like. What are these people going to do? Every time there's a massacre, they're going to bury their heads in the sand and say, oh, no, we, we don't want to do this. I mean, like, what is their, what is their point? of existence then like what what is the point then what is their campaign uh, strategy you might say yeah what is their they're saying that the donations are not effective okay well then what is effective what are they going to do well i I just don't understand what on earth are they thinking giving uh donations to individual politicians or parties 
and thinking that, what, another massacre or a terrorist event's not going to come? Of course it's going to come. I mean, you need to have a contingency plan for that. You don't just um, you don't just stop advocating for your rights and for your sport just because some lunatic shoots up a school or a mosque or whatever. Uh, I mean, what sort of a strategy is that? If, you, if you're going to just stop doing that, then why start doing it in the first place? I just don't understand what their strategy is, and it sounds very weak to me, and it's kind of as if they're, uh, they're kind of gone in the corner hiding while, while the dust settles. It's so, interesting why they've actually funded individual candidates such as you know, Victorian Liberals Michael Sukar and Dan Tian, Nationals Deputy Leader Bridget McKenzie and her Murray colleague Damien Drum. I mean, why are we donating to individual candidates that are going to vote on party lines if, if firearms legislation ever came up? Why are we wasting money on these idiots? Well, uh, to be fair, a lot of these uh, candidates uh, have been uh, vocal supporters of law-abiding shooters in the past, in Parliament, especially Bridget McKenzie as well. I've never even uh, heard. I've heard of Michael Suka, but I've never heard of yeah. anything him say anything positive about firearms that I've ever, in the eight years of doing this show, that I've ever seen or anyone's ever sent us. Well, perhaps maybe he hasn't made the speeches, but perhaps his votes uh, do matter. Look, I, I believe political donations do work. Absolutely. And I think... That's my, the biggest problem our gun lobby has had in, the, in this country is that we haven't uh, done the political uh, donations uh, well enough. And, um, you know, it's just it's, it's an ongoing problem. We're just, we're just not clever, clever enough. We're not as savvy as, for example, the NRA in the United States. And it's not about, you know, like there's a lot of people listening to the show, a lot of young shooters listening to the show thinking, oh, yeah, we don't want to be like America. Uh, and because they've been conned into thinking that way for a very long time, and it's not about being like America, it's about being in a position to be able to resist any further changes to the laws. And we're not in that position. Yeah. We're not in that position. We're only we're only one major disaster away from getting even more guns taken away from us. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing. There's no politicians out there that are even looking like remotely being able to stand up to any more restrictions. Okay, so. And even certainly now, like, for example, in the recent New South Wales state election, there's quite a few shooters and Fisher's Party people that have uh, been voted in, but they don't have the balance of power. Gladys Berry Chickling doesn't necessarily need, need them to pass any legislation. So, you know, I, I mean, obviously, I don't see them as a major pro-gun voice because uh, of uh, some of the things that we'll play later on, Jason, in the show, that Robert Borsak has said is pretty much... Uh, states that Shooters and Fishers Party have put all their plans for gun reform or any kind of gun reform on the back burner or basically non-existent. And I wonder if so, they're donating to, you know, they're talking about donating to pro-gun parties, for an example. I mean, yeah, I can understand how that probably at times would not be, you know, maybe a value for money per se because at the end of the day, I mean, the Liberal or the, or the party that's in Parliament is the party yeah. that makes the rules. So if you're going to actually donate, whilst I don't want to give money to the major parties because they've never done anything for shooters other than, you know, put further restrictions upon us, I could probably see how that could be effective if it actually worked instead of giving money to pro-gun parties. Sure, that would work too, but I don't see the pro-gun parties uh, pretty much getting any results. So how can we, how, how do we we make peace with that? Very difficult question, Jason. Uh, my opinion has always been the same. I believe that the SSAA, just like the NRA, NRA was in the past, should have been turned into a proper gun lobby where they pick one side of politics, whether it be Labor or Liberal or probably Liberal, uh, because they're a little bit more on the conservative side, I guess, if you can call them conservative these days. I mean, the, the conservative goalpost gets moved 
so often that you've got no idea what's conservative anymore. So they should have picked one side of politics and stuck with them like glue, just like the NRA stick with the Republicans. I mean, that's what they should have done. And uh, so that we have a very strong voice in Parliament. But because they haven't done that, well, we had a Prime Minister in 96 that uh, wanted to change the gun laws. The Nationals capitulated to that because they're weak, weak as anything. They, um, they've never seen a Liberal Party policy they never liked. So, you know, that, that's part of the problem. And um, look, we are n- never going to get any serious change in this country. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to come from pro-gun parties. I, I never believed that. I, I don't believe you need a pro-gun party to get pro- a, a good, decent gun laws in this country. I just believe that you need uh, the funding directed in all the right places. And that's never happened. So, and, and, beca- and the reason why it's never happened is because, quite frankly, we just don't have the people in the right places who have the balls, for lack of a better term, the balls to make it happen. But what, what do weak. these people think they're going to do, Muzz, by saying this stuff that we're not going to do this? We're not. Going, what what results do they hope to actually achieve by well, agree, agreeing with the agenda of people that want to take away your firearms? It just makes no sense. Either they're ill-equipped uh, uh, media people that really do need training, uh, or that this is actually what they believe in, which is what we've been saying for the last what five or six years now. Oh, they just I just believe they're just trying to cool things down. They're ducking for cover. They don't want to uh, bring too much media heat on themselves. And they're probably thinking, look, let's back things away for this election and then regroup and try again. But, I mean, to be honest... Uh, to me, that just oh, seems uh, weak. It doesn't show any conviction to... and no guts. No, there's no, there's no guts. There's no conviction behind what they're doing. Um, it just doesn't appear that way anyway. And... Uh, and I'm very disappointed. I'm very disappointed. And I think to myself, well, what is the point of your existence then? If you are not going to lobby strongly so that we can maintain our guns, maintain our sport, maintain our rights, then what is the point of your existence? I don't care if there's been a shooting overseas somewhere. I don't care if there's another shooting in America, even if there's one in Australia. These, you know, People have got to be able to clearly stand up and say, look, these criminals, these lunatics, they are not the people we represent. Okay, We represent the law-abiding constituency who use their firearms for lawful purposes. It's that simple. Okay, but they just can't say that. <laughs> they've got no guts to say it. Right? Wanted to, wanted and, to... got their, and on top of that, they've got no guts to prosecute the argument. And it should be quite easy to prosecute. I mean, all it takes is someone to, to rehearse all, all the things they need to speak about and to remember them. And, you know, and it's not like you're telling lies or anything like that. You're actually telling the truth. So you shouldn't be afraid of anything, but they're afraid. It seems to be it's rubbing off too because Ken, who sent me uh, the, the Facebook message, says obviously he linked the article as well. And he said, what a bloody shame. Yep. People are advised to join the SSAA, et cetera, et cetera, so that we can stand together and save our sport. What for? So they can take our money and pursue their own minor agendas while they watch our sport become illegal and law-abiding members being treated as criminals. Get some balls and do something decent if you can still remember what that is. So pretty harsh, pretty pretty <laughs> full on words, and yeah, you know, this shows yeah. in the community, Mars, how people are just sick to death of, um, you know, what's happening in regards to firearms ownership. People say, oh, you know, your show's too political, too much gun rights. Well, mate, we already see Samantha Lee talking about just re- just as recently as two weeks ago after the Christchurch shooting, talking about bold action, military style bold actions. I mean, if you think it's not coming, 
you're totally naive. If you think there's a shooting not coming any time in the near future or over the next couple of years in Australia as potential payback for what happened in Christchurch, I mean, you're kidding yourself. It's only going to take yeah. one more issue and we're going to be in severe trouble. Probably we will lose lever actions and then we'll follow on with more severe restrictions. If a lot of people die in said shooting, mate, we are going to be in some absolutely serious trouble and uh, agreeing with the current system or status quo is just not going to get us anywhere. And it seems people that are writing into the show are absolutely sick to death of it up to their eyeballs as much as we are and have had enough. But this is, goes back to, again, like I said, Jason, and I need to repeat it because what I'm saying is this. There's a lot of people listening to our show right now, young shooters who have been brought up with our gun laws, and they think our gun laws are perfectly fine. And, okay, no worries. Well, you, you haven't experienced what Australia was like before the gun laws. Fair enough. But what I'm trying to talk about is not us being like America because people often say that, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're very politically um, US-style pro-gun laws, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know what? That's fantastic, and it'd be great if we had it here in Australia, but I am realistic. I know that the likelihood of that happening is probably never going to you know, happen, right? So but what we need to do, at the very least, is be prepared to be able to defend what we have, right? So our organisations, the SSAA, CIFA, political parties, children and officials, and all of them, Mate, they're in, I don't see any indication from them over the last 20 years that they're actually prepared to maintain what we have, right? Politically and also via political donations and, 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 and uh, like speaking publicly and also via political donations. They're just not in the position. They've, they're not prepared. They haven't done their homework. They haven't done the legwork required. Uh, they don't have the guts to tackle the big issues, to speak the things that need to be spoken. And to be honest, and, and now you've got this situation in Christchurch that's just occurred, which is a tragic event. But now this tragic event has given courage to a lot of the left-wing politicians in this country to clamp down even further on gun laws in this country should someone have, you know, happen to trip over a, a few bullets or a gun or whatever it is, you know, or whatever it might be, any tiny little... You know, any tiny little problem with firearms, they're always going to jump to gun law straight away, just like uh, Andrews did. And, you know, that may not necessarily be a tiny problem, but it is gang-related. It's not really something that uh, should be um, attributed to us law-abiding shooters whatsoever. But, you know, here they are. They're, they've got no problems trying to jump on. And, and what resistance do we have to that? We have no resistance to that. So, you know, our sports in the future, I just don't see anything positive at the moment happening to our sports in the future, uh, gauging by the recent events that have happened. And also on top of that, Jason, one nation capitulated now, okay? They've been forced to back down and backpedal and do all these, you know, silly press conferences, use, you know, oh, we're a little bit on the grog uh, type of excuses. We're never going to water down gun laws in Australia. (laughs) I mean, absolutely weak and pathetic. I mean, Pauline Hanson, as I believe, lost two points in the opinion polls, and that's what the polls say, not because they've gone to the NRA, but because of their weak and pathetic response when they were busted by this, uh, by this uh, um, you know, undercover guy who was posing as some sort of pro-gun person. I mean, how dumb do you have to be? So this is what it is, right? We've got all these minor parties that are absolutely disarray when it comes to guns. Okay, they've got no idea how to mount an argument. They've got no guts. Uh, when, they're, when they're questioned hard by the media, they just fall to pieces. 
Uh, and the only one, Jason, that actually stood up for what we believe in and, and was quite quite well-versed in his arguments with, with gun laws and so on was David Lionhelm, and he unfortunately missed out on a New South Wales Senate seat, which is an absolute tragedy for uh, anyone that's interested in uh, having a vocal, uh, someone who's in Parliament who's vocal about gun laws. Uh, you know, that's we've, we've lost, copped a massive loss there, a massive loss. So now, now instead of David Lionhelm there, we've got some woman from the Animal Justice Party who I can assure you has got no no intention of helping anyone with firearms whatsoever. In fact, quite the opposite. So, look, it's it's been an absolute shambles of the last two months, and it really has. And it's uh, and it's not good news for anybody. And as we know, we're never privy. I thought I'd read this one out because I had it just here quickly, and I thought this one definitely needed for me to to say something about because I don't like people saying incorrect things and lies. So there's, there was a post on Facebook, one of the websites. I, I didn't look. I looked, just looked at the first couple, the first comment and um, kept scrolling away. Um, so a guy on one of the forums says, does anyone know any good Australian deer hunting podcasts? I need to learn more. So fair enough. So a couple of nice guys, including Luke and Trevor said, you know, check out these couple of podcasts, some great Australian podcasts, not just mine. And uh, there were a lot of thumbs up. So anyway, I've got to call this guy out because uh, there's a lot of lies here, actually. Um, his name is Paul Gray, so I've got no problem saying his name. Uh, he talks. First off, he mentions a couple of uh, different podcasts, and obviously not mine, but he said, I don't like the Australian hunting podcast. The guys are way too divisive, bagging the ADA and the FGA. Uh, first off, I've never ever bagged the Australian Deer Association, so first off, that's a lie. Secondly, Field and Game Australia, I've actually had Rod Drew on the show many times, and uh, Rod's actually a nice guy who now works for CIFA. So perhaps I should get Rod Drew on from CIFA, and I've never said a bad thing about FGA uh, in the entire eight years of podcasting. Again, so obviously a person who doesn't listen to the show, again, is just spreading lies and to me is, is, is an utter moron. Uh, he reckons if you're against firearms owners, if you don't fight for US-style access and the scrapping of registration, etc. Just my thoughts. Okay, no problem. And then so anyway, in the comments, another guy. Baron, agreed. AHP guy is a knob and rambles on with his agenda instead of letting <laughs> guests talk about themselves. Uh, so then Paul Gray, the, the initial moron that was lying in the in the top part of what he said, the original post, says, I listened to a number of them. Some were good with Rob Fickling. Well, at least he's giving us some credit. And a couple of others just came across as far-right trigger-happy blokes and don't think <laughs> this does any favours at all. Just adds to the stereotype. So then Baron, this other guy, Baron, follows up again and says, yes, the one with Steve Garlic from ADA was good. Well, they just said I was actually hassling and I've spoke shit about the ADA. Again, total lies. And he says, when he starts talking about weapons for self-defense, it's no longer a hunting podcast, but a gun rights podcast. Uh, yeah, I've, <laughs> I've never actually said that. Again, <laughs> I, don't said, think, I don't think we've ever shied away from being a gun rights podcast, yeah. especially this part. But see, this is the thing these guys don't understand. Australian hunting podcast. Is we talk about a broad range of subjects, Jason. We talk about hunting, camping, cooking, long-range shooting, all that sort of stuff. And we also have a straight shooting show, which we're doing right now, which focuses more on the political stuff. So you know what? If you don't want to listen to any of the political stuff, then fine. Don't listen to straight shooting. Yeah, but when, when they say easy. things like I've hassled the ADA, bagging ADA, I've never said anything about those guys whatsoever. I don't think I've ever spoken a bad word about ADA either. So unless you can come up with some sort of idea of I've done that, but this is well, what happens. Maybe, People don't listen to the haven't. show. Well, maybe you haven't, but perhaps maybe I have. I can't remember. I mean, we've been doing a show for five years, and, and perhaps maybe I've 
I've said in the past that you know they were pretty weak on this or weak on that. No. But that's I, I, I recall correctly the only issue that I, felt, I think was remember about five years ago, and we never gave them a bollocking. It was an actual person I spoke to Rod Drew about this. Was one of the guys said something about the Adler and people shouldn't have access oh. to the Adler, and he was turns oh, right. out he turns out he was a member of uh, I think a field and game branch in somewhere down south in Victoria. But that wasn't any criticism of the ADA because the actually sorry the the FGA the FGA actually dealt with that quite well and uh, denounce the comments. So, again, these people don't listen to the show, guys. They don't listen to the show. They just come up with bullshit like that I'm reading here. <laughs> and uh, it's but, interesting too, Muzz, because when I talk about this stuff, right, everyone's a Facebook warrior. But then when I'm on my page and I tell them, listen, here's my phone number. Please give me a call. I'd love to talk to you, get you on the show to discuss where you think I'm going wrong and where we think we can do better. Inevitably, I've got at least – I can even sh- – I should share them on the page, but I don't want to embarrass people too badly – that they, they actually respond to me. They say, yeah, yeah, okay, well, I'm working at the moment. I'll give you a call. And inevitably, guess how many have ever called me wanting to either debate or have the discussion on the show? The answer is a big fat zero. And listen, None. guys, nobody does what we do here. Nobody in Australia. I listen to a lot of different Australian podcasts as well on hunting and shooting, and they're fantastic as well. I'm not in some elitist thing where I don't talk to other people or I don't want to be associated with those podcasts. They're doing a fantastic job as well. But a lot of them don't tend to say, what they actually really think at all. All they do is remain PC, do their podcast, which is fantastic for them. But I try and give everyone everything in honesty because I think that's the best way to go and get people motivated, you know, and get people motivated to actually achieve and do something. And uh, the fact that this guy is out there, Paul Gray, uh, lying on the internet about that I've bagged out these people is just ridiculous. And, um, you know, f- apparently we're far right trigger happy. Jesus, Mars, I, I haven't pulled, my, pulled the trigger on a firearm since last November. That's how long it is. And I can't wait to go away this week. I mean, the first time I've ever been called far right, I thought I was just realistic. And, uh, but anyway, that's how it goes. Well, you know what? If, I, if I've been called far right, well, in this political climate, I'll take it as the compliment because the, their idea of far right is someone who's in the centre. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's just crazy. But uh, look, here's the thing. Me and Jason, obviously, for all those listeners out there, they know that we don't mind copping a bit of criticism. I don't, I don't care. If you've got if you a bone to pick with, with me or Jason, fair cop, okay? Send us an email. Even come on the show if you want. Send us your voicemail. We're happy to address it. We don't shy away from it, none whatsoever. But we just don't like people spreading falsehoods, I guess, about us, I guess, and that's why we're addressing it. And speaking of uh, criticism, Jason, what I'll do is I might just jump in now and uh, read a bit, little bit of criticism on, my, on myself. So basically someone was uh, criticising me for being a hypocrite uh, regarding the, mental my, health. My stance, the mental my health? stance on mental health. That's correct, yes. So here we go. We've got it here. So yes, g'day, Rob. I'm not going to give you a bollocking. I just want to calmly address the, exactly what you're saying. And I understand why you're saying it. And One I, and sec. I just give people the yeah. thing. We've talked about mental health on the show in the past. Yeah. Muzz's yeah. opinions, which, you know, like I said, I've disagreed with in some, on, on certain parts of that issue. So we had this email from Rob, and this is what it says. So this is basically in reference to episode 181, in reference to my health report. So Rob says, uh, LOL, I just listened to uh, episode 181. Muzz is out of control. The hypocrisy is ridiculous. <laughs> Muzz says, people with mental health issues should be banned from guns. Also, Muzz says, no way, you're checking my mental health. Um, haha, pure gold. I think he has either bumped his head or suffering from mental health. <laughs> <laughs> he does LOL. I love it. Good one, Rob. I like it. He wants to cast a wide net, but doesn't want them to cast a net on him. 
anyways, as always, good job. Keep it up. Okay, so Rob, thank you very much. I appreciate your. At least he's having a laugh about. I'll give him that. I'll give him that. It's pretty good. So. (laughs) I know. I know. Look, let me just explain it, Rob. Okay. Look, here's the thing. If I voluntarily go to the doctor, and I feel that I am, for example, needing help with my mental health because I'm struggling, right? And I voluntarily accept a script um, for mind-altering drugs for a mental health issue. Look, I do believe that the doctor should have an obligation to report that to police, okay, so that uh, the police can then uh, reassess, I guess, my fitness to be able to have firearms. Okay, so that's I do believe that, and that's based on the amount of evidence that I've seen and I've studied from the various mass shootings around the world where more than 50% of all the mass shooters were suffering with some mental health issue. Now, in regards to keeping my medical health, medical records private, yes, I do believe the entirety of my mental health, I'm not mental health, I mean my medical uh, history, I'd like to keep private. I think everyone should keep it private because uh, what we're talking about, we're talking about the entirety of your medical health, which may or may not include mental health. So you could have, you know, uh, previously some uh, disease, embarrassing disease that you want to keep private, right? Or you could have a major operation in the past that you also would like to keep private. You don't want anyone to be able to get your hands on that. And this is why I'm talking about. I'm talking about your medical records in general. Yes, I would like to keep that private. But if you're voluntarily going to a doctor and seeking help for mental health issues, then that's a different issue altogether. So I just wanted to clarify that, Rob. All right? Thanks very much. Yeah. My my one thing, though, how do we know if they're reporting that one thing, how that's not going to be extended to other things? I don't want to get into a full debate about it because we've done this before, but if they allow one thing, I think Okay, my major problem is it would stop people that, you know, have a firearms license that um, may need a help to get over a crutch. Like, you know, there definitely there are probably people out there to get over the crutch and they feel like they now can't because they'll be reported to the authorities if they go and seek help. So they're not going to actually go and seek help, which is the worst thing that we can possibly do. Number two to that is the fact that how do we know if, the, if they give away that data, what's next in regards to that data? Well, uh, what else will, will they deem that they need to report to the police? So what, what makes that doesn't make the My Health record actually private in any way whatsoever because they can report this and then the government could extend it to this, extend it to that, and then eventually we've got no rights at all anyway. So what's what's the point of all that, you know? Well, what I'm trying to say is, is that I don't I don't want my medical records for anyone out there to see. And let's face it, no data, once it's electronic, is safe. Anyone can hack your data, right? And it's certainly not safe from the government. They can see it as well, right? So it's not just about mental health. Like I said, you could have an embarrassing disease or you could have, um, you know, an operation that you would rather not people that you've had in the past that you'd rather people not know about, okay? And that's your right to do that, okay? So it's not necessarily about mental health. But in regards to mental health, I mean, because of mental health issues, well, I mean, we've got two whole dead families now, uh, like, for example, the WA family, Jason, yeah. and uh, and the guy who killed his whole family, where was it, in New South Wales, I think it was? Lockhart, Lockhart, Lockhart. Lockhart, Lockhart, sorry. Yes, that's correct. I mean, you know... Um, these guys probably would have been on, uh, on on some kind of medication, and they were definitely suffering from mental health issues. And and this is my point. Like, I mean, if you're voluntarily saying, "Listen, I I really need help," and you're going to a doctor to seek it, and you don't necessarily have to go to a doctor to seek it because there's many alternative forms of ways to treat your um, uh, mental health issues. But if you're going to a doctor to seek it, um, look, you, you really need to think about your family and other people around you as well, right? So, and that's why I have that belief. 
I really have changed my stance on that, and I think that. Uh, and if you if you examine, like I said, the the vast amount of mass shootings across the world, especially in the United States, more than fifty percent of the cases, the person had a mental health issue. Okay, and that's undeniable. And so, this is why I have this position. It's based on evidence. It's based on the research that I've done, and I know it casts it can cast a wide net. Uh, but like I said, I, I stand by that, and I understand Rod. Uh, you think I'm being a hypocrite? That's fair enough. Um, we can agree to disagree, but I've hope, I'm hoping that I've explained, clarified my position there, so you can hopefully understand that. We and we appreciate your listenership, uh, Rod. Please write in again. Me and Muzz have had many debates about this, and we we disagree with each other. But yeah, you know, that's good. Actually, finally, we actually you know disagree on something, you know, and we actually have a good debate about it, which I like. But all right, we've got another message. I want to leave the guy's name out here because uh, this is obviously about partly about Christchurch. He goes, "Hi, I'm from Coffs Harbour." Just wanted to let you know that federal police are on a witch hunt up here as they are going to every gun shop, club and range, checking if the guy that who did the issue in Christchurch was one of their club members. If you're going to put this out, I would prefer not to have my name mentioned. Keep up the great work you are doing. Cheers. So I'll leave his name out because, I mean, if that's what's happening, that's, that's pretty interesting that obviously he was up from, I think, that way. I can't remember exactly where he was from, um, but I'm sure he was up northern New South Wales somewhere. Yeah, that's right. Well, look, I wouldn't really call it a witch hunt. I think it's just standard procedure. I think that what they're trying to do is make sure that this guy is not associated with any kind of... Um, I guess, terrorist groups or anything like that. So the, co- the federal police and state police or whatever, but they're covering every base, I guess, if you will. I think that's what you probably want police to do in a situation like that, uh, whether it be a white national extremist or whatever it is or a Islamic extremist or any kind of person that wants to do the public harm. Um, they really should investigate the person. I agree. Um, but uh, obviously... I understand your concern uh, to the listener, but thank you for your email. But look, I don't think it's it's that big of a deal. They're just it's a standard procedure. Yep, another one from Ben. Good good uh, message on Facebook. Hi, Jason. New listener to the show and love it. Been going back and listening to previous episodes and find all your content very educational and enjoyable. I refuse to listen to mainstream radio in the truck now that I've started listening to your podcast. Ah, nice. Keep up the good work. <laughs> uh, if I ever see you out near my way, and he looks like he's not far from me, actually, I won't be afraid to come up and say good day and shout you a beer. Cheers, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Good on you, Ben. Thanks very much. Yeah, mainstream radio is a shocker. I know. Like, I, I mean, don't even, even bother even, with it most of the time these days. So, look, I'll, I'll, even you know, even radio stations like Two GB. I mean, they call themselves conservative. I mean, some of the things they say on there, I just think to myself, oh my god, like I mean, they, they're so they're so far away from conservative. It's not funny, and yeah. I think they need to. They need to rethink their um, conservative stances on a lot of things. Uh, but uh, that's how it is, Jason. It's very controlled media. Um, very rarely do you get honest, really honest opinions. They're, they're basically just spouting the party line. That is true, buddy. All right, Jai, next one. G'day, I'm a big fan and was just uh, wanting to get a little bit of advice. This is before the election, guys, obviously, as we do this show, as it comes out, for the New South Wales election. He says he's in the Illawarra, had a sticky beak at the candidates for my local area, and there wasn't a single, uh, I think he said, there wasn't a single anti-gun party to choose from. I think he meant single pro-gun party to choose from. What would my options be now? Submit the ballot blank. A mate of mine suggested we simply cross out the options and write Trump in bold. Thanks in advance. <laughs> yeah, look, so, that's so a good one. Election, I like that one, Jai. Well done. The election is over, but that's not a bad idea, mate. Make another square at the bottom and just write Trump in it and tick that. 
exactly. I mean, that, I mean, that's all you can do these days. I mean, so politics in Australia is so heavily skewed towards the centre-left and left-wing politics that there's just really no right-wing politics to, to, to talk about. There's really none. I mean, you know, even the Liberal Party, for example, they want to keep a balanced budget, which I agree with, okay? I want the country to be, you know, to, to not be in debt to our eyeballs. I mean, what's wrong with that? I mean, some people are, oh, you're, you know, you're a bit right-wing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just unbelievable. You know, if you just want to keep a balanced budget, you're considered as a right-winger. Yeah, no, AHPs, trigger happy, right, trigger happy far right. <laughs> um, I know. All right, we had another one. As you know, guys, we're not privy to, again, criticism, but uh, this guy messaged me, Dale Taylor. He says, uh, I'll, I'll summarise a little bit, but I'll read the first line because I think it's important. You pricks are awfully quiet. This is after the Christchurch shooting. Imagine if he didn't have semi-autos, there would only be 10 dead. Uh, he goes, I always bring up the New Zealand example, and as a sporting shooter, he's glad John Howard had the balls to remove these types of uh, unnecessary firearms from us. Only one thing they're good for, semi-autos and that's mass murder so i invited uh, dale on the show i put it on the main page so people could see the type of messages that i do get from people and this is the thing muzz again a lot of people say stuff on the internet on facebook and when i actually want to get these people on the show to have you know a good honest discussion with these people about why they think i'm wrong uh, and, and present your information, inevitably they go quiet. And uh, he then went on to a bit of a tirade of abuse about, oh, you want to get me on the show, I'm a loser, and all this type of stuff. But the fact is, a lot of people say a lot of stuff about our comments, Mars, but won't actually come onto the show to discuss them. And I've had probably 30 or 40 people that I've given my number to, give me a call, I'd love to get you on the show, because I think, it, one, it would be fantastic listening for the listeners, and uh, you can tell me where I'm wrong. Maybe you might be able to change my mind, as Stephen Crowder says. Uh, but inevitably, they never do. I see some of these people at you know at shot expos and mate they just literally just walk the other way and their faces just go completely white. I'm just I'm sick of this you know Facebook warrior mentality. I mean let's get let, let let's get the content out there for people to listen to. And, hey, people might actually listen to him and maybe agree with him. Well, you know he's welcome to his opinion and we happy to give him a platform to. Uh, we think we think the, you know obviously different, but we happy to give him a platform to state his opinion to back his case. But they usually don't want to because they're gutless basically gutless and uh what they'd rather do is be keyboard warriors behind the facebook page so look at the end of the day jason some of the you know he's no one's saying no one's saying that a semi-automatic firearm with a 30 round magazine is not going to cause more damage than a than a bolt action rifle no one's saying that of course you're going to be able to you know cause a lot more you know uh, damage with a, a, a gun like that than you will with a bolt action. We're not arguing that, right? We're not arguing that. That's obvious. What what are, what we're trying to say is, does that justify taking away those firearms from the rest of the population? And I say, no, absolutely not. Okay? Our people have a right to, to pursue the sports that they want to pursue. People have a right to self-defense. People have a right, okay, to be able to uh, go about their normal business without being molested by the government, okay? And he's saying, well, if you had a bolt action or whatever, you know, that um, that only 10 people would have been dead instead of 50. Well, I don't think that's justification to change the laws. I'm sorry. I just don't, okay? The same way I don't think that, you know, if we had a massive pileup on the M5 where 20 people died in an accident or 10 people died in a pileup, I don't think there'd be justification you know, to take everyone's cars away from them or 
to close down the road or anything like that. Life goes on. Okay, we still got to drive on the road. Shooting still goes on. People still going to the range. People still going hunting and whatever. I just don't think it's justified. And this is the difference, right? People think it's justified. When something goes wrong, yeah, it's justified. We've got to change the laws. We've got to take away this. We've got to take away that. I don't believe so, okay? And I certainly don't believe, for example, just like the greyhound issue, just because some people are doing the wrong thing with their greyhounds, I certainly don't think it's justified to ban greyhound racing, right? And it happened recently in New South Wales. So it's, it's just the same logic. I'm just using the same logic, and I'm sorry that people don't see that same logic. And in the United States, okay, sure, they're backed by a constitution which guarantees them to... Uh, uh, to uh, uh, you know, keep and bear arms. That's fair enough. But the reason why that's there is because the government knows, okay, or, or the founding fathers of that constitution knew that no matter what happened, no matter how many gun accidents or whatever happened, they wouldn't be justified to take weapons away from the people because that would just leave them defenseless, right? So this is this is the whole point of the argument. Okay, we are slowly. In Australia, getting to a point, and I know a lot of the young guys may not agree with me, that's fine. They may not see it, that's fine. Um, but we are slowly getting to a point where virtually any tiny little mishap or accident that happens, it's just going to give government excuse to take away more of our rights and our liberties. And I just don't want to live in a country like that, that where, where basically if someone trips over, you know, a bullet somewhere, all of a sudden, the government jumps into action and wants to change the gun laws. I mean, that's just pathetic, right? And uh, and this is what you're advocating for. This listener, he's advocating. He thinks that's quite fine for politicians to, you know, make sweeping changes like that and just, you know, trample on everyone's uh, liberties. I just don't. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. I'm just. I'm not wired like that. Okay. I don't believe in too much government inter intervention. And that's where the difference is. That's where the difference of opinion is. So, you know, we can have a respectful debate about that. Anyone wants to come on the show, we can have a respectful debate about that. There's no need for personal insults and stuff like that. We can always agree to disagree. But this is the point. You, you know, people aren't willing to put their debate uh, forward and they're not willing to back their position. They, they don't have... I guess, uh, the conviction for it, Jason. Uh, exactly. And, um, you know, I'm happy to have them on the show. I just get sick of, you know, these Facebook warriors that constantly say stuff under the guise of either fake profiles or even their own profiles. And uh, just come on the show, talk to us. Maybe you might change my mind on something. I'd love to hear it. But uh, I don't think you will, but I think they're too scared to put their conviction forward because they've got no guts. That's the problem. And they don't really have the conviction uh, to, to say or do anything when questioned in front of people or by being recorded uh, because then there's no going back from that. But anyway, we'll move on. Todd, uh, great email from Todd. He said, hi, Jason. First, just want to say I love the show. I've been listening for about a year. Fantastic, Todd. And I think just about listened to all your past shows. That would have taken a while. <laughs> Please keep up the great work you do. Sorry, and Muzz too, he's got in brackets. Nah, don't worry, Todd, you got it right the first time, mate. Don't worry about him. Uh, fighting for our rights. No doubt after what happened in NZ over the last few days, the lefties and the anti-gunners will be coming after us. And, uh, he makes an interesting point that he talks about. A lot of people don't want to you know, give money to Patreon or these internet entities, PayPal, etc., and stuff like that because they're either anti-gun or they don't like things coming out. So if you want to do something directly to me, and he talks, I won't go into the personals of the rest of the message but like direct debits and things like that wanting to support the show so all the money goes to me just give me a call or send me an email at uh 
Australian hunting podcast at gmail.com and uh, I can I can sort something out for you but um, you know like I said the support financially is always appreciated guys I know you know not everything me and say Muzz is always you know people think sometimes we're wrong on certain issues but at the end of the day we're the only podcast hunting that's actually saying what we really think and uh, where we need to go better in the future and um, like I said anything we've spoken about today guys please send us an email as well we love hearing your emails on the show uh, whatever it may be send it to us we're happy to discuss it anything to do with your thoughts on firearms ownership uh uh, we're definitely uh, happy to happy to discuss it because that's what this show is all about, getting you guys involved and telling you what's happening in the industry, where we think people are going absolutely fantastically good and where they're going, going not so good. So thanks, Todd. What do you think of Todd's message, Muzz? Yeah, no, really good, Todd. Thank you very much for your listenership and uh, please continue to listen. Uh, we will definitely put out more podcasts in the future and uh, Jason does a fantastic job and I, I, just, don't, I just can't tell you uh, enough how much how hard this guy works to put out this content and it's all free of charge he does it because he loves it and uh, i'm hoping you guys can hopefully show some appreciation by donating a few bucks here and there that'll be great right next up muz we'll talk about a lot of people are expecting us to talk about this is about christchurch shooting yeah well let's do a recap jason of what's happened uh, in the last couple of months uh while we've been away from uh from podcasting and it's not because we've been quiet it's just that we, you know we've, we've got lives to live we've got other things to do and uh um but yeah let's talk about christchurch and what happened there so we're going to talk about the uh, christchurch shooting and obviously what happened um you know i think new zealand's obviously a great country and a lot of people that have gone there i've never gone there myself i wanted to go there i think we have you know pretty good gun laws in regards to gun ownership for law-abiding shooters now that's been totally blown out of the water uh, literally overnight uh, by the actions of a criminal. Now, if like most of us, you know, you've either, either A, watched the video or read the manifesto, you can see that uh, he actually knew what he was doing and the New Zealand government is actually going to do exactly what the uh, this terrorist actually wanted, which is to change gun laws and create a massive cultural and racial divide uh, for the people, uh, not only of New Zealand, but also he refers to uh, the left in the United States trying to take away the guns from people uh, on the right uh, in the United States, and basically a civil war breaking out. So this guy was obviously, to me, didn't seem like your average dummy. Uh, he knew exactly what he was doing. He knew exactly he wanted to use firearms specifically uh, to create that divide and for the left to attempt to take those firearms uh, off people in the United States. Of course, as we know, the the uh, Jacinda Ardern government in New Zealand, Mars, did exactly that. Within three weeks, they had sweeping changes. I mean, you can't tell me that a 48-hour submissions, there was over 12,000 submissions, were able to be looked at in 48 hours. I mean, it's just ridiculous. We we condemn, obviously, people shooting people with firearms. That goes without saying. We don't approve of that sort of thing, and uh, it's not the way to go about it. And uh, I just I, what I do get really scared about is that uh, in Australia, if New Zealand has changed laws, that's already coming over to Australia now. So we have Samantha Lee, we have the gun control advocates now saying we need to get stricter on lever actions, military-style bolt actions. And uh, what we have seen here, Mars, is the most important thing, I would say. Obviously, the lives that were lost, is the fact that if a shooting happens here, and I keep saying there's only a matter of time before someone idiot goes and does something stupid, we're probably going to lose the lever actions as a first point of call. Uh, if it happens again or the, the outcome... Well, I don't necessarily agree with that, but go on. What I, what I think is that the laws will change. And um, when we've seen it happen in New Zealand, how can we not say it's going to change? Uh, it's tr- it's a fact that people that are committing crime, laws will change. We've just seen that just a few days ago with the with the shooting in Melbourne, that uh, they're ready to go at the drop of a hat. So again, law-abiding shooters being scapegoated again for the actions of one idiot. I mean, they have a homicide rate of less than 50 
per year. I mean, and they haven't had a mass shooting for 23, 22, 23, 24 years since 1997. So, I mean, it's just crazy that democracy has been eroded. This is just yep. treacherous and abomination, in my opinion, that, um, you know, people are allowed to lose this. And David Tipple from Gun City actually did a, a Vice interview, Muzzin. We might even play that in just a little bit after we talk about it, because he said, yep. you know, if there was an NRA that had the political savviness or the financial backing that they have in the US, I mean, these laws would definitely not be going through, but the government's just bullying law-abiding shooters, and it's changed from the actions of this terrorist to now we need to remove firearms from law-abiding people. Their sport has uh, basically been eroded overnight. Three-gun competition's gone. People that travel overseas, mate, gone, and they're probably not going to get their money that they paid for their firearms, scopes, magazines, um, uh, optics, uh, sites that only can work on these types of firearms, they're not going to be compensated for. Just a travesty, in my opinion. Thoughts? I just want to clarify what I was trying to Sorry for interrupting you earlier, but I want to clarify what I'm saying. Look, I just don't think that, look, they're going to, in Australia, they're actually specifically going to go after lever actions. I think they're going to have to put up a pretty solid case or hard case to try and take our lever actions if a crime does occur, especially if there's no lever action guns being used, right? So if there are no lever action guns being used, I just don't, I don't, I don't see how they're going to mount the argument to take them away from us. But look, the point that I I want to first of all try and clarify with everyone. Guys, me and Jason, we think that this Christchurch event is just abhorrent. This guy, who is a crazy criminal, is he has done something that, that where, where there's no winners out of it. There's absolutely no winners. And uh, we detest these kind of people. Uh, he has committed a horrific crime, and we certainly have absolutely nothing in common with these sort of people. Okay, and uh, I just want to make that very clear from the outset. The second thing I want to say is that, um, look, uh, th- yes, there was a lot of submissions put into the New Zealand government. I-, I don't think it would have mattered if there was a million submissions. There was nothing going to stop them from wanting to change the gun laws because I think that that was something they've been wanting to do for a very long time anyway because, uh, uh, quite frankly, a lot of the left-wingers in New Zealand have been wanting to do it and, People from gun control groups in New Zealand have been urging the government to do it in the past. Okay, so I don't think that any kind of submissions from the public would have uh, really helped. Um, what I'm disappointed in is in disappointed in the minor New Zealand party that gave Jacinda Ardern the uh, the prime ministership. New Zealand that first, they, yeah. New Zealand first is that they have basically capitulated and supporting the gun laws. They've they really should have stood firm and, um, and, and supported the New Zealand way of life. Now, here's the thing, right? This, this crazy madman, this shooter, this criminal who killed these innocent people, okay, he wanted, he wanted this sort of stuff. So we're basically giving him what he wanted, okay? And that's the number one reason why we shouldn't change the laws in New Zealand. Or they, well, they shouldn't change the laws in New Zealand. The number two reason why you, sh- you shouldn't change laws in New Zealand is because you shouldn't allow these crazy madmen to dictate your way of life and the way you live. And to be honest, this, this event I said is an aberration. This is not the normal way of life in New Zealand. This is a tragic event that may happen once in 20 or 30 or 50 years. And here we are turning the gun laws upside down because of this one tragic event. I don't think there's a justification for it, I'll be honest. And you can have 
your criticism on me in regards to that. Because once you do that, you're basically saying that the criminals are winning. The criminals are going to dictate policy. The criminals dictate policy, basically. That's what you're saying, right? And that's basically my reason why, the basis of my reason why you shouldn't change the way you live. You shouldn't change the way of life, your laws, your culture. And don't forget, they are changing their culture, right? You shouldn't change your way of life, your laws, or your culture based on the actions of a criminal, and I'm very disappointed in New Zealand First. And I think out of the, I think 119 or 118 members in New Zealand Parliament, only one person spoke out against the law changes, which I think is a tragedy. It's a tragedy. And, uh, you know, there's no winners out of this. There's absolutely no winners. Part of part of what I wanted to talk about too was the, was the comments that have come out of this. Now, I found this very interesting. Now, I've interviewed Robert Borzak before, as you know, Muzz, several times, and uh, disagree with him on a lot of different things uh, in the way the party should be run and the, and the way direction forward. But, you know, Robert, as far as I was aware, was always a, a fairly good supporter of New Zealand-style firearms laws. Uh, that's what yeah. I perceived anyway. And um, so he posted on his personal page. Now, now, this is not us saying anything about Robert, guys. This is from the man himself. Okay, and so he was responding to Chris, a guy by the name of Chris Ship, and Chris was basically saying what we're saying now, that, yeah, we're sick to death of, you know, as soon as something happens, laws changing and all those type of stuff when some idiot does the wrong thing. So Robert says, Chris, yes, that seems to be the way of it. Although all those geniuses wanting New Zealand gun laws in place of ours, well, how do you feel now? Question mark. There will always be some mad scumbag out there to murder innocent people for some stupid lunatic reason. Okay, I'd agree with him on that. Society, society should not have to put up with this, but we also must defend our right to use firearms for sport, hunting, and competition. This isn't really easy at all as a massacre occurs during an election or indeed at any time for that matter, obviously being difficult. So I'd agree with the last part, but he talks about you know, defending our rights to firearms, ownership, hunting, and competition, yet then seems to say, uh, how are all those geniuses wanting NZ-style gun laws in place of ours? How do we feel now? Like, I'm supposed to feel guilty, you know, that I wanted New Zealand-style gun laws. New Zealand have fifth, less than 50 deaths <laughs> yeah. per year, 50 deaths per year in the country, right, of 4.8 million people. And then now we have to sit there and we have to, we have to feel bad because in 23 years – one person did the wrong thing. I think Robert Borzak's totally wrong on that. It just goes to show their true agenda, which is not fighting for mine or your rights, and actually mocking people. Like, how do I feel now? Like, am I supposed to feel good that 50 people died? I mean, it's just a ridiculous argument. I mean, that's like saying, look, you should feel bad for driving your car because last year, you know, a thousand people died on the roads. I yeah. mean, it's just nonsense. It's like, nonsense. I mean, seriously. Right? I'm it's not a terribly weak argument. It's nonsense. It, it, it's really weak and pathetic. I'm sorry. Uh, Mr. Borsak, but that's just uh, horrible because, in, in fact, correct me if I'm wrong, but many people, many people within the Shooters and Fishers Party do or did believe that New Zealand gun laws are fantastic. It's just it's just weak, weak stuff. It's uh, pathetic stuff. And um, look, I shouldn't feel guilty uh, and no one should feel guilty about the, the type of guns they own or the type of guns they want to own. It's just nonsense. Why? Because some criminal done something bad with it? So what? I mean, the, the you know, the next bloke that uses a hammer to kill an entire family like happened recently, well, I'm going to feel guilty about buying a hammer at a hardware store. But, I mean, he's a politician, Mars. He's a politician that is supposed to be defending our rights. And it's interesting that they get caught on the internet saying this stupid, ridiculous stuff. And, um, you know, it holds no 
no sway whatsoever, and I, we shouldn't be made to feel guilty. But, I mean, these guys are supposed to be defending my interests, and um, you know, that just doesn't seem to be happening. And, and going on from that one too, Muzz, just quickly, um, yeah, Steve Larson, who works in the office of Robert Borzak, this is what he had to say. Now, he was responding to Greg Mildwater, and he says, you've been watching too much American TV. We will never have gun rights in Australia, nor will semi-autos ever be available to ordinary shooters again. Wake up, double exclamation mark. Uh, this, is, this is the interesting thing, Mars. Mean you mean you, we've got criticism well, that, in the past. That builds you with confidence, doesn't it? It builds my confidence. We've been talking about this for how long, Mars? About probably five, maybe probably six years since 2014. And yeah. we said this stuff, and we asked on we we copped a bollocking. They said no, no, no. They don't really believe that. No, they're fighting for your rights. They don't. They're just saying this. Uh, this is an election tactic. Uh, name one organisation or minority rights group that actually advocates against their own interests in the hope that one day they're going to have more people in parliament to make a difference. No minority groups rights group anywhere in the world has ever taken that as an election or a political tactic ever, anywhere. It's just ridiculous. And uh, people that laughed at us and said this wasn't true, and I, w- I hope, uh, Muzz, that these guys change their tune one day. I don't want to have to say this stuff on the internet. I don't want to have to say it, but I'm just sick to death of having to constantly be apologising for my gun rights, apologising for being a firearms owner, and these guys basically saying the same things that pretty much One Nation and a lot of the anti-gun people are saying. Look, some of the rhetoric that's been coming out of uh, Shooters and Fishers Party recently um, and, one nation, and One Nation, and One Nation, and One Nation. Yes, in regards to One Nation as well, it's very disappointing, and it's very, very disappointing. And it just feels like, well, okay, well, is there anyone that's going to fight for my gun rights out there? I mean, sure, they'll they'll maybe support the status quo, uh, but are they going to make any efforts in advancing our gun rights? And I just don't think that's the case, based on. The rhetoric that I've been hearing from That's them. not what we're so, saying, Mars. It's what they've said from their own. Of course. From their, yeah. They're quoted on the internet. They're, and even if you don't want to believe what mainstream media is telling you, I mean, they're being quoted exactly. We have audio that we are going to play soon. And uh, we'll leave it up to you to make the decision, yeah, you know. But exactly. I think the things they're saying are an absolute embarrassment and an abomination from both One Nation uh, and the Shooters and Fishers Party in New South Wales. And I hope the other. Part of parts of the shooters and fishers in other states absolutely denounce these types of comments. And uh, I hear it's, you know, like I said, it's an election tactic. I'm sorry. Uh, that is a weak, a weak uh, policy or a weak thing to take forward that you can't defend and make the case for our firearms ownership. And uh, it's not about getting even, must forget the semi-autos. That's way down the track, right? Uh, what about just save, even minimum saving what we have? Do you think you're going to save what you have by agreeing with the current NFA or the current laws? And, mate, they're coming for our guns. I just I, I can't get that through people's head enough. My opinion is by, for any party, by not fighting to advance our laws, you're basically leaving the door open for more restrictions. That's what it comes down to. That's what yeah. it comes down and to. And, I mean, it's a hiding to nowhere to agree with the current system or to say, and, yeah, and, no, and, we don't and, want and that. And here's the thing. And here's the thing, Jason. I just want to reiterate that for a lot of the young blokes who think that we're, oh, extreme right wing or something <laughs> like that, and we want <laughs> I don't even US get to style, go shooting half the time, Muzz. <laughs> and, and, and we want US-style gun laws. You know what? You know, you know, that'd be great if we had US-style gun laws. Oh, I don't shy away from that. I reckon US-style gun laws are fantastic. Me too. Okay, but Me I, too. I'm realistic. I'm realistic. I know that. We'll probably never get that in Australia, right? But what I would like, like I said, is some sort of indication that we have got a very, very strong gun lobby that is going to push back 
on any attempts by government to even further restrict our, our, our freedoms and our sport, right? And there's no indication of that. And that's the problem, guys, all right? So all you young blokes that have grown up with these gun laws and stuff like that, if you think that these gun laws are going to remain forever as they are, don't be fooled because it can get worse, I can tell Absolutely. you now. And it already it has gotten worse. worse. We've lost the Adler, no? the Seven Shot. We lost the Riverman OAF. We've seen what's happening in Queensland with the Wedgetail, uh, the Wedgetail firearm that they're trying to, you know, QCAT in Queensland. Sorry, not QCAT. The um, weapons licensing is trying to take back uh, from law-abiding people. And luckily, I think it was Firearms Owners United had a great win, at least in the, in the, in the short term, against QCAT because... You know, it wasn't the way they went around it wasn't allowed to be done. So they're going to probably, maybe, possibly go to court, and that's going to be very interesting. But I just don't understand the the angle, the angle of agreeing with the current system. I mean, you don't have to. You can agree with the current system if that's the way you want to go about it. But you should be able to make the case easily. Uh, when when in the media say no, we're going to be targeting criminals. We're not going to be targeting law-abiding firearms owners. They're not the problem, and I'm going to stand up for those people that are being persecuted by by police and or the government uh, and making them responsible for the actions of criminals. It's really not that hard to say, is it, Muzz? Yeah, that's right. The new Zeiss Conquest V4 line of high-performance rifle scopes combines tried-and-true Zeiss optics with a rugged and functional design, providing high-definition glass. Enhanced with T-Star and low-to-tech protective lens coatings produces 90% to the eye-light transmission. This means excellent low-light performance and resolution across the entire magnification range. Zeiss Conquest V4 rifle scopes were designed as a lightweight, high-performance scope for demanding hunting and shooting applications. Visit osaaustralia.com.au to find your local dealer. Zeiss, we make it visible. But look, Jason, just getting back to Christchurch, okay? We we on the same page. We believe this guy is abhorrent. He's committed a horrific crime. We do not support do not support him in any way, shape whatsoever. Okay, he's he's done a disservice to everyone. You know, he's caused a massive uh, atrocity to the Islamic community in, in, in Christchurch in New Zealand. It is just there's absolutely no winners out of this. And, and, you know, we think it's falling. And when it comes to the changes in New Zealand gun laws, I'm afraid the only people that are to blame is the New Zealand uh, gun owners, to be honest, because they've had they've seen what's happened in Australia. They've had 20 years to prepare for something like this. Surely they would have known that something like this may occur in their country as well. Right. So they've had 20 years to prepare themselves for something like this and to make sure to put down the framework to be able to. Uh, defend their rights and they haven't done it right unfortunately they haven't done it that's the reality all right and they've left the door wide open for a prime minister to uh do what she's done and uh you know she's definitely going to do it so pretty soon new zealand will have uh gun laws i guess similar to australia that's a great tragedy to be honest because that that just leaves that just uh, drops one reason away from why I should visit New Zealand. <laughs> I'd love to visit New Zealand. I definitely will go there one day. But one of the draw cards for me was definitely to be able to experience a little bit more freedom than I'm able to experience here in Australia. And yeah. uh, in the future, I guess that won't be the case anymore. And so I think that's very sad because you know it doesn't make New Zealand uh, very as, as appealing as it was before. It's interesting how. Even before Mars, I actually got talking about the NRA and, you know, it's finally sinked, even though it sunk in quite a while ago, it just makes me, 
you know, push forward in my resolve that now I understand and, and hope people listening to this show can really understand why the NRA, for an example, and even some people in the US think the NRA is too, uh, is too fuddery, so to speak, Muzz. But you, under, you understand <laughs> can, technically. Can you, can you believe, Jason, that some people in the US think the NRA is too weak? Yeah, compared to, <laughs> it's unbelievable. They must be really, really crazy. full on. But, uh, you know, but now I understand entirely why. They oppose every single measure because one measure turns into another measure. Oh, come on, be reasonable. You don't really need that. Then they give in to one thing. Then it's something else. These people never give up. They never, ever give up. And this is why I'm a proud member of the National Rifle Association, a a life member. Very proud to receive their magazines and learn about their lobbying techniques uh, and how they do things because, you know, they've only got out of 360 million people, they've only got about seven and a half million members. It's really not a lot in the grand scheme of things, the amount of people that are actually in their country, but uh, they oppose everything and for good reason and for good reason because they know where it ends. They were smart enough to realize that when, you know, the forefathers wrote the, the Second Amendment and the Bill of Rights, they were smart enough to realize that, but... Unfortunately. Well, 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 Jason, they're, they're, they're the largest NGO in the world. Exactly. And people say the evil boogeyman, the NRA. And, you, know, you, don't, you, know? you don't become the largest of anything unless you're, unless you're good at something. No, they, mate, they, I totally are, agree. They, are, they are basically the Coca-Cola of gun rights. Yeah, it's one of the most successful yeah. human rights organizations in the world, if you want to call them that. <laughs> um, and, and then what do our politicians say? Well, no, we're not going to be dealing with the NRA. They're bad people. You know, whether you agree with them or not, it's beside the point. The point is, is that people are drawn to them because they're successful, and they stand up for what they believe in, and they're unapologetic. And this is the, this is the thing, right? This is, and this is what's really missing, to be honest, which is really missing from Australian politics in general. Whatever you're trying to defend, whatever your point of view is, um, in Australian politics, people, there's just no courage. There's no balls. You know, politicians are so weak, and and they've got the spot. They're spineless, absolutely spineless. They're just so weak and pathetic, and just can't defend their position. And I'm just sick to death of them, to be honest, all of them. And in fact, I would say that the Greens have probably got more balls than all the other politicians combined. Because even though there's crazy things that they say, at least they've got the balls to say them. The stupid things they say, it's unbelievable, the vegans and all the nonsense. Mate, they've got the guts to say it. I respect them for that. They've got the guts to say it. Our politicians are completely gutless, completely spineless. They've lost their guts. Can you imagine the Greens were advocating like their election tactic, which is what uh, our our pro-gun parties and politicians and organisations are saying, as if, oh, we, we don't say we want that. It'd be like the Greens saying, hunters and shooters, nah, we really like hunting, we really like gun owners. But we really want to take away their guns. No, they don't do that, guys. They say, we want to stop hunting. David Shoebridge has been very clear about that. The Upper House uh, Greens uh, MP in New South Wales, he wants to take your guns off you. And this, all this, oh, we support farmers and sports shooters. Bullshit. Uh, well, well, Jason, here's, here's something for you. We want legalization of drugs. We want decriminalization. We want pill testing. We want open borders. We want to let, let all the refugees in, right? Everyone. Yeah. I mean, these things to some people are absolutely crazy and bonkers, right? But guess what? The Greens have got the guts to say it. They've got the guts to say it. They're unapologetic, right? So this is what I'm talking about. They've got more balls to say the things that they believe in, no matter how crazy they are, than our conservative politicians have 
say the things they believe in. And it's just crazy. It's just, uh, it, that's the sort of political environment that we live in right now. And then that includes One Nation as well, completely gutless. <laughs> They're completely gutless. They've gone over there to America to NRA, Steve Dixon and, and, and Ashby, by this guy who's undercover uh, gun rights dude is complete fake. How on earth did they get swindled, Muzz? Why wouldn't they take somebody like me? They got swindled by a person with a Facebook page. Can you believe it? I mean, it's just outrageous. They got absolutely completely swindled, right? And then when they finally got busted and, uh, and okay, maybe they didn't break any laws. That's fair enough. But at the end of the day, the footage that this guy got is really damaging. They should have at least not not um, tried to make stupid excuses like saying, oh, we were on the grog. I mean, how pathetic is that? That's just completely gutless and stupid. Well, they should have said, okay, in my opinion, yes, we went over there to seek help and uh, campaigning guidance from the Koch brothers and other conservative groups, and usually they are funded by the NRA. Yes, we did do that, and we, we're not, we don't apologise for that. I mean, we don't necessarily seek to change Australia's gun laws, not at all, but we certainly want help from other outside conservative groups and we won't shy away from that, okay? And then they could have said, look, there are some parts of Australian gun laws that we do believe needs to change, like, for example, the fundamental right to to self-defence, okay? And this is what we're talking about, okay? We do believe at One Nation that every human being has a fundamental right to defend themselves and we won't shy away from that. So, you know what, you can bag us all you like, okay, you can um, paint us in any way you want. The, the One Nation principle is we are uh, strongly conservative, we value Australian rights, we, we fight for the Australian battler, and we also fight for those that can't help themselves. Okay, so we don't, we don't shy away from any of that. They could have had the balls to just stand up and say what they believe. Instead, we got scapegoated. The, we got screwed. <laughs> oh, instead, instead they're up. They're saying, "Oh no, we got we got stitched up. We were drunk." Uh, <laughs> it's it's out of context. It's out of context. Hang on, Muzz, you know what it's, we should do? Just you know, to... it's out, it's out of context. That, you know, we don't really mean that. Yeah, you know, we, we, we didn't want their money. But hey, Muzz, you know the interesting thing I wanted to. We, I wanted... we support coward gun laws. We support them. Yeah. We, we don't want to change them. John Howard's like, the mean, best. He's the best. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, know the, you know the one thing that interested me. Let me say, let me say one thing because I think you'll love this. You'll love this. Remember when we? I think it was Shooters Union did an interview with Steve Dixon. Steve Dixon was the leader of One Nation in Queensland, or still is. Yeah. Now he was over there with um, J- J- James Ashby, uh, Pauline Hanson's right hand man. Now what you don't know is, well, you might not remember this. Me and Muzz did a, a straight shooting podcast where Shooters Union did an interview with Steve Dixon. Do you remember that, Muzz? Yes. And um, yes. he said, "Oh, no one needs a suppressor," and basically it was just fud sent. Well, basically, Steve Dixon was pathetic. Pathetic. And when you (laughs) see him in the videos of the NRA and the things that he's saying, it's like a totally opposite person. It's the totally opposite person. (laughs) And I'm thinking, how do you actually trust these people about what they actually believe in unless they have the guts to actually say it? And where's the integrity to actually say what you think? And, Muzz, quickly, you know what we'll do? We'll just spend 30, I think it goes for about a minute or so. We'll play the Andrew Bolt. Uh, Pauline Hanson was on Andrew Bolt. And uh, you'll see why One Nation is not going going to be good at all for shooters. Will they change in the future? That's left to be said. But what we'll do, Muzz, we'll play it now. We'll just play the quick uh, segment of uh, Pauline Hanson on the Bolt Report where she's basically scapegoating gun owners for being caught out uh, with uh, the, uh, being overseas with the NRA and her people being overseas. So let's play it now and then we'll come back to it. 
One nation will never allow for weakening of the gun laws in Australia. I'm not interested in what the NRA, uh, what their laws are. This is Australia. This is my stance. And as long as I'm leader of this party, it will never, ever change. Well, Mars, there you go. Uh, Pauline Hanson again <laughs> selling out gun owners on uh, on the Bolt Report. Uh, you know, again, she gets caught out, of course. You know, law-abiding firearms owners suffer the brunt uh, of their poor, poor decisions. And uh, the main part I wanted to talk about too was how on earth did they get swindled by a fake Facebook page? How on earth could for three years – who was paying this guy? Uh, how for three years do you get swindled – by someone that's anti-gun posing as a pro-gun. But wouldn't you have checked like who that person was? If you're going to get into bed with these people in such a way, wouldn't you check a, a passport, some ID, saying, we don't really know who you are, mate, so can you just provide some ID so we know who you are? And then that, they've done a little bit of a search on this fella to find out exactly who he is. Well, you do a bit of a, uh, I guess, uh, a Google background check, wouldn't you? You, oh, you would find out how long this, guy's, this person's been around and how many followers he has and... And what does he actually do? I mean, like, uh, it's just crazy, mate. They, they just got absolutely duped. And and what's even worse is they've been backpedaling. But look, Jason, what I wanted to tell people, if, for those that don't remember, One Nation was formed on the back of John Howard's pretty much gun laws in Queensland. Because one, I think One Nation uh, came up at 1996 after John Howard was voted in. And... Uh, Basically, that's when the party began, and the reason why a lot of people joined One Nation and were supporting One Nation is because they were not happy with what was happening in Queensland in terms of the gun laws as well, you know, after Port Arthur Massacre. So, you know, it's, it's quite pathetic, really, that she should come out and say, oh, we support the gun laws, we, you know, we love the gun laws, and uh, whether you love the gun laws or not, it's irrelevant. I mean, the fact that they, that they didn't, just stand, didn't just own it own the fact that they got busted going to the United States looking for donations or looking for advice. Oh, we were drunk. We had politics. too many beers. You know, the <laughs> fact that they didn't own it and just own up to it, just own up to it and confess and, and tell people what you actually were doing, you know, at least people would have had respect for them that at least telling the truth rather than trying to backpedal and trying to blame if the, the God, If the donation <laughs> is legal, I hope they were working with the NRA. I hope they were. Well, you know, they, they could have just said something like this. Look, Yes, we went to the um, United States to seek uh, political advice and potentially donations because we're a conservative party and it's very difficult to get donations for conservative causes in Australia. So we've got no problem seeking donations from uh, people overseas because I can tell you right now, the Liberal Party accept donations from tobacco companies and they're not an Australian organisation. They are multinational, okay? Uh, the Labor Party uh, usually get help from GetUp who get donations from God. Yeah. What about developer? What about developer uh, yeah. donations? Well, 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 developer donations doesn't matter. If they come from Australia, that's fine. But if the developer happens to be a multinational company, well, they're not intrinsically Australian, are they? Right? So you can, you can basically say that those donations are coming from overseas as well. I mean, it's, 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 I think one nation should have stood up and said, look, it's really hypocritical for anyone to accuse us of accepting donations from any kind of um, uh, parties or organisations from overseas when they themselves accept donations from multinational companies. Okay, so how can they sit there, you know, being high and mighty, telling us that we can't accept donations from these people when they themselves accept donations? And mind you, speaking of tobacco companies, okay, t tobacco has killed millions of people around the world, 
okay? And the Liberal Party still accept donations from tobacco companies. But right? 50 people died in Christchurch, time to ban all the guns. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that uh, the, the Liberal Party have in the past and may, may or may not still do accept donations from tobacco companies, right? But I'm pretty sure they have in the past. So it's hypocritical of them to be, uh, you know, the high and mighty, you know, uh, speaking, uh, speaking, uh, you know, the gospel over there in terms of who you can and can't accept donations from. Uh, you know, what nation should have pushed back a little bit more, but they didn't. They just, just, they just fell apart, right? They fell apart. And the polls show that they've lost 2% basically, at the polls uh, in terms of their support. Do you think so that's the reason, because they were dealing with the NRA or because they were weak or a bit of both? A bit of both, I think, yeah. I think some people would have dropped them off because they didn't like the fact that they're associated with the NRA. Other people would have dropped them off because they thought, well, it's weak and pathetic. Uh, you should have just stood up for what you've done. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, so that's, that's, you know, that's part of the reason. But, uh, look, it's just – I just think it's – Pauline Hanson, to be honest, and I've said this before, she's not a great speaker. She really isn't. She doesn't cut through quite often in a lot of term messages. Um, and and to be honest, that is her biggest downfall. And she's had 20 years to work on this. She's had 20 years. Maybe that's what people like about her, that she's not, you know, she's not, you know, not, not fine around the edges. She's a little bit yeah, rough around the, the problem, edges. But the problem is, Jason, when you're publicly speaking, right, you need to install confidence into people. People are going to think, well, I'm going to vote for this person, okay, and I want to put them in charge of the country. If you can't speak publicly well and install confidence into people, uh, then they're not likely to vote for you. I'm sorry. That's just how it is, right? And that's, Pauline's, that's been Pauline's problem. Uh, for a very long time, and she's had 20 years to address it, and she hasn't addressed it, and, you know, here we have. We have the results today. Uh, the latest opinion polls show that the primary vote for Labor and Liberal has gone up by 1%, and the and the One Nation vote's gone down by 2%. So, obviously, it's coming from One Nation. <laughs> All right, guys, to play off a little bit of a, a negative with One Nation, I thought we'd play uh, a bit of a media excerpt or a soundbite from Fraser Anning. Now, whether you agree on his politics on certain different issues, uh, a lot of people have posted on my page recently, or only a couple, I should say, of just you know saying, well, the, the things about the economy and water rights in you know other parts of Australia. I run a hunting, shooting, and fishing and gun rights podcast. So the idea is, is that most of the stuff I do talk about is related uh, to the shooting sport. So in regards to Fraser Anning, you can you know, take him or leave him as, as you decide. But uh, one thing he has been very good on, uh, which is what we're interested in as part of this show, is uh, his firearms uh, stance, Muzz. And uh, he's yep. a very, very strong pistol shooter. He loves his firearms. He just came out just the other day and said uh, he was having a go at Bill Shorten about his electric car policy and says he supports hunting, shooting and fishing and outdoor activities and four-wheel driving, which is absolutely fantastic. And we applaud Fraser for that. But I want you to listen to this excerpt, Muzz, and uh, for the listeners that are listening, when one of the journalists asked him very specifically, do you want to see a weakening of gun laws? And uh, I think you'll find what he said very, very interesting. And uh, so we're going to play that now. Uh, yep. We'll come back and then we'll have a chat about it. Yeah, well, it's a bit um, strange. They, uh, uh, one, one day they're talking about uh, having stricter gun control and uh, the next they're over there talking about getting uh, funding from NRA. So... It's a bit hard to work out what position they have. Pauline was also talking about um, not accepting any donations from uh, foreign uh, organisations. 
Um, it's, it's not an uncommon thing in the US for a political party to accept a donation from the NRA. Was that something that you would consider here, accepting a donation from, a, from the NRA or an Australian gun lobby? Uh, we'd have to have a look at it, but um, you know, we, all parties need funding, so if somebody, uh, genuine people are funding us, then fine. We need, we need it uh, to do an advertising campaign. So you don't think what One Nation did was necessarily a bad thing or an evil oh, thing? Oh, not really. I know um, I can't see any problem except for the fact that they said one thing and then they did another thing. So, uh, you know, that, that's a bit of a strange uh, situation. Um, do you think uh, Australia's gun laws should be weakened? Absolutely. They, um, every nation that's disarmed its population eventually oppressed them. So... Um, I don't know if you remember, but in 2012, uh, the Venezuelans were disarmed. By 2016, they were um, eating cats and dogs because they're starving. And in 2019, they're being shot by their own government because they tried to access the food that Donald Trump sent down there. Was there, there talk when you were in One Nation about going to a US gun lobby looking for donations? No. So what do you think inspired this? Who knows? They need money, I guess. They want more money. Do you think it's been led by Pauline Hanson or these two other men? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to comment. I don't know whose whose idea it was, but I know they're always chasing funds. Um, and just going back to what you said before about the gun laws, I mean, I guess someone would to play a bit of devil's advocate. They would say there's been no gun massacres in Australia since those laws were enacted after the Port Arthur massacre by John mm -hmm. Howard. I mean, is that is that hard evidence to deal with when you're saying you should be? weakening the laws here? Well, you know, that's not really right. You know, they've changed the criteria. Uh, there's been more gun crime since uh, since then than there ever was. So uh, for people to say you know, that there hasn't been any gun crime every day in Sydney and Melbourne, there's a shooting um, pretty much every day. What so, would be your perfect solution to gun crime? Uh, <coughs> well, it'd be nice to have no criminals, but the problem is that all the criminals have guns. And by disarming the uh, population doesn't really... Uh, make you any safer. We've now got bloody Sudanese and people kicking people's doors in, in, in Melbourne and Sydney and they've got no way to defend themselves and uh, you know, I think it's everyone's right to be able to defend themselves and their family. All right, Muzz, what do you think about that? Very, very forward from Fraser Anning, and uh, he'll definitely be in my top two coming up for the election in uh, about five or six weeks for the federal election. Well, look, it's very refreshing to hear what Fraser Anning has to say and the way he says it because quite frankly, whether you agree with him or not on all these issues is not the point. The guy's got balls, okay? He's got the guts to say what he wants to say. And that's what I want to hear from every politician, regardless of what they believe in. And But you don't hear it. He's the only one that's got the guts to say it, and he's very strong on self-defense, which I like. So, you know, that's, that's very important. So, yeah. look... My only and, issue and, with that probably, Muzz, was when he didn't make the case, the, the presenter did say, oh, well, there's been no mass shootings, and he probably should have been a little bit more prepared on that because, as we know, there has been mass shootings. Even Samantha Lee from Gun Control Australia on ABC Radio National actually has said there have been mass shootings. She said that, and I do have the audio of that. So probably should have been a bit more prepared in that, but the rest of it, mate, I couldn't fault anything he was saying, and uh, really I hope he actually gets re-elected uh, coming up in the Senate. But the point is, you know, you can't accuse him of sidestepping the question, right? You, you, you can't, you can't accuse him of uh, not, not really uh, wanting to answer the question. I mean, he answered the question. He was honest, and uh, you know, he, he stands by what he believes in, I guess. And you know, you've got to have respect for that, whether it be Fraser Anning, whether it be the Greens, 
whether it be the Animal Justice Party or the Liberal Party, whatever, if they're, if they're very strong on their convictions, then I respect that. But the, and, and that's the problem, right? But the politicians we have are not strong on their convictions. Yeah, but why do we need to leave it up to Fraser Anning, who's really, I guess, his core policy and what, what he wants to do moving forward is probably guns are a bit of a side thing. Why are our, aren't our pro-gun parties, you know, even let's say One Nation, Shooters and Fishers, for example, why aren't they being like this guy? Well, mate, I don't know, but maybe because they feel that, and this is, quite frankly, a, a sad reality, right, is that we have a brand new generation of gun owners in this country, Jason, uh, young blokes in their 20s who have known nothing but our gun laws. They've never grown up in anything else. They have uh, used to the way the laws are at the moment, and they believe the status quo is just fine, right? So there's a new generation out there, and I think the, a lot of the parties are trying to appeal to that new generation, okay? So it's very difficult to educate someone uh, in, uh, in how things were when all they've ever known is how things are right now, right? So, and this is a problem, right? So... And a lot of the parties, like, for example, One Nation, and I suspect Shooters and Fishers, I have suspected for a very long time as well, uh, they've basically um, more or less given up on trying to make, change, have any reforms on guns is because they're trying to appeal to the new generation of, uh, of gun owners, new generation of shooters. And that's fine, you know, like, that's okay. If people like the status quo, okay, that's fine. I've got no problem with you, but I just think you need to realize that if we if we just accept the status quo and are not prepared to push back, like I said before, then we are likely to face more restrictions in the future because the other side is not going to give up. Hey, Jason, they're no, going to go They're going to keep harder. going harder. The Greens are going to be keep on trying to take away our rights further and further, which they're already successful at doing now. They're going, they're going to go harder and harder, which is why I totally disagree with uh, the approach the shooters and fishers have taken. I totally disagree with the approach that One Nation has taken. Um, if you're not willing to push back and start pushing back, then you're going to get pushed back. That's the that's the that's the truth of it, and that's how it, that's the reality of it, and that's how it's going, it's going to happen. And uh, and this is a tragedy, really, for gun owners. And you know, and, and people think we're oh we want US style gun laws. You know, <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, we're struggling to keep what we have. And here we I'd are. Like me and Jason. I'd like that. I'd like that. I know, yeah. And here we are, me and Jason are advocating. We're advocating for stronger representation in terms of a little bit of pushback. I mean, on we some can't of even these. get strong representation, Muzz. I mean, we, 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 uh, this blows exactly. my mind. Well, really, Jason, there's only two people that are unashamedly pro gun that I can see in the Australian media. And, and this is basically goes by their recent interviews in the last couple of months. And that's David Lionhelm who has sadly missed out on real uh, on being elected in New South Wales, and Fraser Anning, who is not likely not likely to be re-elected wow. uh, in the coming stark, in the it's coming. It's a stark uh, reality when you actually think about it. That I mean, obviously they weren't re- not re-elected on their firearms policy yeah, per se. Exactly. It's just about support for the parties in general. But let's talk about that too much. So for people that don't know, uh, this is what we waited. We had to re-record a few bits and pieces for the show. Uh, because we found out yesterday, obviously, that David Lionhorn was unsuccessful from the Liberal Democrats in securing his seat. Unfortunately, preferences yep. didn't go his way, and uh, we are in some serious trouble right now. Um, most guys uh, know that Mark Latham has been saying a lot of things against firearms own- owners for probably the last couple of months, especially with the bit of a feud, I think, with David Lionhorn from the Liberal Democrats. 
Um, and I was actually on Muzz. Maybe we'll play that a little bit later. I was actually on 2GB just after Mark Latham. And uh, they have no interest in changing laws at all. They're happy with the current system. And uh, I'm scared they're actually going to probably succumb to some sort of uh, gun control in the future. So instead of David Lyingholm getting up and uh, the, I think it's Paul Green from the Christian Democrats, he lost his position. Uh, he was replaced by a second One Nation person. So now Mark Latham and a guy by the name of Rod I'm, his last name escapes me at the moment, but they have two in the upper house now, which is, I guess, for One Nation, a massively huge win for them. Uh, oh, yeah. And unfortunately, uh, Mark Pearson from the Animal Justice Party, uh, he was the, he's been there for about four years now, and on preferences, a second Animal Justice Party uh, person got up, a, a young female vegan bodybuilder got up, uh, already saying things about anti-hunting already, hasn't even got into parliament yet, and is already saying bad things against our sport. And they are saying that uh, One Nation uh, and the Animal Justice Party are probably going to hold uh, the balance of power. So this is some really, really scary times for uh, shooters in New South Wales going forward. It's uh, very scary, the things that we've been hearing uh, before and after the election uh, about election tactics, which I totally, totally disagree with. So what I want to do, Mars, I've got about three uh, audios from David Lionhelm, but I just, I guess it's not really appropriate at this stage to play every single one of them, only for the fact that David has now retired from politics. But uh, I, want to, I, want, I want to play a couple of things for you, and uh, we'll go through David Lionhelm. Now, this was AAP Media, and he was interviewed just before the election. This is one about uh, the 7th of February, and David talks about... Uh, I think this was before New Zealand happened, right? This is before New Zealand happened. Actually, yep. I, think, I think we should play two, actually, because um, one's very interesting. One was on Sky News, and Robert Borzak and David Lionhelm were on Sky News. So I think we'll play two. And we'll play some from Robert Borzak as well. But the first one's from AAP Media. This is the 7th of the 2nd, 2019, so early February. And David Lionhelm talks about, this is after he's quit the Senate, and talks about firearms. I'd love you guys to have a listen and uh, pause it when you finish and have a good think about what he says. So we'll play that now. At the moment, Australians wet their pants when you mention the word guns. Okay, it's, it's, it's a cultural thing. They're a bunch of scaredy cats. So, no, I don't think it's something I would be pursuing as a priority. What I would be pursuing, though, is non-lethal means of self-defence. Pepper spray, mace, maybe even personal tasers. Um, I think it is outrageous that our wives, mothers, daughters, sisters are forced by the government to be defenceless victims. If Australia had gun laws like New Zealand's, that would be a vast improvement on our current situation. We have a very, very regulated situation and we achieve no benefit from it. The argument that there's been no massacres um, since uh, the gun laws came in is false. There have been massacres. Uh, The argument that gun violence has gone down uh, because of the gun laws is also false. The gun violence has gone down at exactly the same rate after the gun laws came in as as they were uh, falling before the gun laws came in. The National Firearms Agreement is not fine. It is an abomination. It is aimed at the wrong people, not at criminals. It's aimed at um, law-abiding people who never break the law. As I said, we think uh, New Zealand's gun laws would be, uh, could be adopted um, uh, with vast improvement in the, um, in the environment for sporting shooters. Uh, guns for self-defence is a more contentious issue. Why should a, an off-duty cop, for example or the Prime Minister's bodyguards not carry their guns when they're off duty. Um, If one of those police uh, officers had been sitting in the Lint Cafe 
um, when that crazy bastard was uh, holding everybody hostage with a shotgun, um, the outcome could have been substantially different. What is the problem with, with them having them available for self-defence? Most countries in the world allow them. And they don't have massacres. They don't go out and shoot people left, right and centre. They're, perfect. They're more law-abiding, in fact, than the average population. So um, I'm, I'm quite in favour of it, but I am not in favour of everybody doing it. I am in favour of only people who know how to use them. Yeah, so you heard that, guys, from David Leinholm say, you need to first of all realise that this was said in the context of prior to the New Zealand tragedy. Right? So obviously, and me and Jason have been saying it plenty of times in the past, uh, we think the New Zealand gun laws, as they were prior to the uh, to the massacre are quite fine and I think they should have retained them. I really do believe they should retain them because if you don't retain them, you're just letting the criminal win, basically, because that's what he wanted after all. And it's and David's very strong there on self-defence. He's very strong um, on um, in terms of uh, uh, calling National Firearms Agreement an abomination. Um, he's very strong in wanting improved access to firearms for lawful law-abiding gun owners and uh, gun sports as well. Um, and that's why, and that's basically why he's saying that the New Zealand model is uh, superior But I to still ours. believe it is. I mean, even though the, the bans have yeah. come into place now, I still believe that those laws prior to the changes are absolutely fantastic and should have been retained. Just because they had one shooting in almost 20, 24 years is no reason to go and change gun laws and say, well, they're no longer good because someone shot people, man. That's a weak argument, anyone that would attempt to make that argument. You've had laws for 23 years that have stood the test of time for that 23 years. No problem whatsoever in New Zealand. All of a sudden, one lunatic does, some, does something horrific. Oh, no, the laws are no good. I mean, it just doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense at all. It's like saying that there's been no accidents at this intersection for 20 years. Now, all of a sudden, there's an accident. Oh, the interse- intersection is no good, right? You know? it's just, it doesn't <laughs> true, make sense. True. It doesn't make sense, right? Okay, so obviously, was there a potential there during the 23 years? For this sort of thing to happen, yeah, of course there was. Right? Anyone can abuse certain liberties in a free society. Anyone can abuse them. Right? This can happen with with anything, not just with firearms. Okay, but the fact that people abuse them is not a not a legitimate enough reason to uh, destroy the laws for everyone else. And that's my position, and I think that's what David would agree as well, with as well. But um, uh, but look, uh, David has been very strong on firearms. Very strong. I do believe, I do believe that this you know, Christchurch massacre has affected his chances for re-election. To be honest, because um, he's been very strong on guns and has probably turned some people off. And that's just, uh, I guess, that's to be expected. Some people will be turned off in such with such an emotionally charged event, a horrific event. Uh, it would definitely change someone's uh, some people's minds. That's understandable. Um, and that, that would definitely would have hurt him, uh, hurt his chances for uh, for being elected in New South Wales. And the fact that preferences, for example, a lot of the preferences from the Bush would not have gone to him, right? So one would not have gone to the Liberal Democrats. Uh, it uh, mainly went to, I guess, the, the Shooting Officials Party. And good on them. They had a very successful election base. And, I mean, they've got a lot of people voted in the lower house and, uh, and a few more members uh, in the upper house. And fantastic for them. However, they don't hold the balance of power, 
So I don't know how useful. No, but those people, which is fine. I'm, I'm more than I'd, I'd rather them in there than the nationals. But let's be honest here. I mean, people say, "Oh, well, this is going to change everything." I just don't see how three lower house. Hang on, let me finish. Three lower house people can change. Uh, anything to do with gun laws. Firstly, Philip Donato in Orange has not spoken one single thing about firearms in the almost two years that he was in Parliament Orange, which is, I'm not upset with him for not doing that because that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to represent his local area and, and, and support their local interests and in getting the area of Orange up. Same as uh, the other fellow that got in for the seat of Barwon. Same as, I think it was, her name is Helen Dalton for the area of Murray. That's fine. They're supposed to advocate uh, for those interests in those particular areas. But like like I said before, this is a hunting, shooting, and fishing podcast. I'm not under any crazy idea that any changes are going to come under them. In fact, they've said uh, the complete opposite in the media, which will play will play soon. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, as, as going back to the uh, topic, we, we, we played David's uh, uh, clips there, and you can see he's very strong. And do we have another clip from? Yeah, we do. Uh, we want to play. Yeah. This is interesting yeah. because I want to compare them and um, just, just so people know what they voted for and uh, and the the performance of the pro gunners prior to the election. So this is after Christchurch. So we'll play two actually. Um, this is Sky News. This is David Lionhelm, and he talks about Paul Murray from Sky News. Uh, Paul Murray live. He asked him a question. David Lionhelm. Uh, Robert Borzak is also in attendance uh, at that uh, media interview, and um, you'll see a stark reality uh, between the two. So let's play David Lionhelm first, uh, having a chat when Paul Murray asked him the question. David, just back to the, the, that gun question as well. Um, what do you want to see, tighten or loosen? Um, well, it depends what you mean, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I've spent a fair bit of time in Switzerland and I've looked at their gun laws. Um, they don't ban semi-automatics. They don't uh, treat gun owners if they're criminals in waiting. Um, they have uh, uh, a registry system, but it's not a centralised system. It's by Canton by Canton. And they uh, treat uh, shooting a, a little bit like we treat tennis or golf or something like that. It's a sport that half the population is involved in. They have shooting ranges in villages in the middle of a village. And they're perfectly safe. They're all baffled and all that sort of stuff. And you see people on the weekends wandering around with their rifles on the way to... Um, uh, shooting ranges and things like that. And yet, Switzerland is a safer country than Australia. There is less violence, less gun violence in Switzerland than there is in Australia. So my, my argument is that gun laws and violence are independent variables. One does not lead to the other. So we could, in Australia, have a much different uh, regime for managing firearms, and it wouldn't change the safety of the place because other countries have done that. The reason we have the gun laws we have is because people are afraid of guns. They just don't like the feel of them. Now, that's my problem about greyhounds. It's about cannabis. It's about smoking. Laws based on the feels are bad laws. It's the bad basis for making laws at all. We should be basing our laws on the on the grounds of objective evidence, and they're not based on objective evidence with guns or lots of other things. All right, Mars, you heard um, David Lionhorn, yep. Paul Murray again makes a good case, talks about Switzerland's Sven's gun owners, um, even in the even in the spate of uh, Christchurch shooting, still defending people's rights to own firearms. And uh, again, I can't fault him; did a fantastic job, of course. Yeah, that's right. Um, look, um, and it's a real shame that um, he didn't get elected. But uh, obviously, this uh, this Christchurch massacre was going to uh, hurt him in, in his stance on firearms. 
And uh, unfortunately, that's just how it is, Jason. In Australia, our politics are more and more leaning towards the left, and uh, uh, the the right wing and the centre right politics are being uh, more and more drowned out, especially libertarian politics, which some people just simply don't understand or don't agree with. And that's fair enough. That's just we have to accept the realities of the political climate. But what's disappointing, Jason, right, is that some of the stuff that's been coming out from Robert Borsak in, in media interviews has been very disappointing, very disappointing, and uh, basically confirmed my suspicions that I've had for a very long time, many years, that is that, that I think the SFP, and it's in my opinion, I think the SFP are backing away from any kind of uh, gun law reform or hopes to have any kind of gun law reform completely, entirely. And that worries me because the fact that they're focusing more on rural issues and trying to uh, replace the nationals in rural seats, okay, that's great. You know, you're going to get more bums on seats in parliament and all that stuff, fantastic. But what they're basically doing is they're replacing their voter base, in my opinion, replacing their voter base uh, from the traditional voter base of uh, people who love the great outdoors and shooting sports to uh, people that live on the land and the farmers. And why are they doing that? Right? So why are they doing that? Obviously, they want more bums on seats in Parliament. But just think about one thing, right? And this is basically from a perspective of someone who's not a farmer, who's a recreational shooter, right? If I'm a farmer, I don't need to worry about gun laws because I've got all the guns I need, right? I've got access to Category C and Category D firearms. If I want to get a semi-auto this or that, whatever, it's pretty easy for me to get because I'm a primary producer, right? So gun, the gun issue is, is a non-issue for me. Right, so I'm never going to vote for the Shooters and Fishers Party based on gun issues. I would only vote for them based on issues that are to do with rural issues like water, for example. You know, uh, right to clear your land, things like that. Uh, those are the sort of things I'm going to vote vote on. But what what the risk is is that now if if SFP are going to back away from the gun issue, well they're backing away from their core constituency, in my opinion. Right, because their core constituents. Well, not if the they have that, backed away; they absolutely have backed away. Well, I'm just saying the people that put them where they are is people like myself and yourself, Jason. Right? I've voted. I've, I've been voting for Shooters and Fishers Party for years. Right? So, look, we've put them where they are, and now that we've put them where they are, they're backing away from people like myself and yourself by by not being very vocal and not being very strong on firearms. In fact. In some cases, quite the opposite by by some of the audio that you'll see that we we're about to play now. It's very disappointing. It's very disappointing. And, and I, I feel, Jason, that their strategy has changed. The Shooters and Fishers Party strategy in the last couple of years has changed. And I believe part of, and, and I, believe, I believe the recent kicking out of Robert Brown has got something to do with this, right? Uh, the strategy has changed and, and it's basically come down to this. I believe they intend to replace the National Party in the bush, which is fine. Fantastic. I think it's a great strategy. However, in their attempts to re- replace the National Party, they're becoming just like them, in my opinion. So so what's the point of a Nationals or a Shooters Party replacing a Nationals and becoming a Nationals 2.0? Where, where do you hope to go with that? Exactly. So what, I More bums on seats for your party. Okay, then what? Yeah. Then where do you go from I, there? My personal belief, Jase, is the Shooters and Fishers Party, Shooters and Fishers and Farmers Party, are becoming exactly like the Nationals with just a better water policy. And that's it. Yeah. Okay, that's what it comes down to. 
And that's quite sad, to be honest, because I remember many years ago, Robert Borsak accused um, uh, Tim Fisher of being a turncoat. Well, in my opinion, he may very well be becoming like exactly like Tim Fisher now. Okay, so he's, I don't see him pushing back against the Howard gun laws anymore. In fact, some of the things he says actually indicates that he may support the Howard gun laws now. And, and so, you know and what, this, what, what we should do, Mars, what we should do is like, guys, don't listen to what we're saying. Absolutely not. Right. What what we're going to do is we're going to play you several audio clips, and you know what, you can make up your own mind from what he says. And uh, exactly. let, let's play the first one, Muzz. This one again, he was opposite um, David Lionhelm and um, Paul Green from the Christian Democrats, who subsequently lost his seat in Parliament in New South Wales. So not only did we lose David Lionhelm from getting a seat, uh, Paul Green and the Christian Democrats, who were also a supporter of shooters who worked with the SFP in the past, we've replaced them with two anti-gun, one nation, and one definitely anti-gun. Uh, Animal Justice Party. So this is the worst possible situation that could have happened. But let's play the um, sp- uh, second part of that segment on Sky News with Paul Murray, where Paul Murray asks Robert Borzak what he thinks uh, about the current laws and what he wants to see and do in New South Wales uh, after the election and for and the short and medium term. Let's listen to it. Robert, is that uh, you know secretly you will, you want to, you know everyone to be handed a gun uh, at birth uh, and you know all taught to use it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What if you had a blank check? If you had if it all came down to you and you said, all right, this is what I want, what do you want to, to change, to tighten or to loosen when it comes to gun laws? When it comes to gun laws, we don't really want to tighten or loosen anything, OK? Uh, what we'd like is just the administration of the existing laws in a proper and fair fashion. Administration's the issue with us. You know, under 16 years of labour, they started at 96. Um, they put firearms uh, controls in place, you know, under the National Firearms Agreement. Every, no one likes regulation. And it was new, and it's hurt, and everyone, a lot of people lost a lot of sentimental value in firearms, etc. Under this government, we've seen in the last eight years, we've seen a massive degradation in the firearms registry itself. Uh, computer system implementations that have failed, uh, an attempt to, to uh, gouge out a 30% uh, efficiency dividend, a third of the registry to go. Now, it wasn't until I went and had a meeting with four and whinged about it, there's not a day goes past in my office that I don't get someone ringing me up and saying, I haven't seen my renewal. Uh, I've got the police knocking on the door. My renewals on my firearms licence has been lost, etc., etc. Privacy is at risk. Uh, they are releasing information. Simple things like, for example, exempting firearms-related data from freedom of information. Hmm. Yeah, guys, uh, well, there you go. You just heard from Robert Borsak. They uh, it's came out of his mouth. They don't want to tighten or loosen anything. Basically, in terms of gun laws, they... Um, are in favour of the status quo. There you go. What do you think about registry and stuff like that? I mean, I understand there are, you know, they have sacked a lot of people from the registry, but instead of asking for an increase in a massive amount of bureaucracy, shouldn't we really be asking for them to get rid of it? Well, this is the this is the thing that uh, puzzled me actually. Uh, Robert Borsak has come out swinging in favour in favour of the registration and the big bureaucracy, and I mean, this is quite surprising to me because. What he's saying is, is that the New South Wales government, the current government, has uh, let the bureaucracy go. They're not funding it properly. It's not working. There are problems, and so on, so on, so. And to me, that's just evidence that the news that the government doesn't believe in it. They don't believe it's effective. Uh, they don't believe it does anything worthwhile. So that would have been a perfect opportunity for me to say, well, you know, it's time to abolish it because this is a useless bureaucracy. The only part that should be retained is the licensing part, which more or less the RMS can take care of. 
right? So, I mean, that would have been a perfect opportunity to say that it's time to abolish this useless registry because it acts because you can see it does absolutely nothing. But no, what he does is he says, no, no, we want to increase funding. We want more of this, more of that. Um, more bureaucracy. More, more oversight on the law-abiding gun owners. And he doesn't say this just on Paul Murray. He's all, there's also a half an hour in interview where he says it again. And not only that, what he wants is he wants to create another body for fishing. So we've already got the DPI with all the massive bureaucracy associated with that, uh, oversight on recreational fishing. He wants to create another group, another uh, bureaucracy for fishing as well, like an advisory panel of some sort. So, um, Question is, i got my question to you in regards to this registry. I mean, if they're not funding it correctly... I mean, it looks like they're not even the government's not even interested in it themselves. I mean, isn't that a telltale sign that obviously they don't even, as you said, they don't even see it to be effective themselves? I mean, if they're not funding it with the correct, but this is also the problem I find. If we are going to increase it, and it is true, there are shooters that are having problems, and I don't doubt that, and and, and it should be staffed correctly. But the problem is, it, it, I would get rid of it. But if we are going to staff it correctly, the problem is we don't want to end up like, say, Western Australia, for an example, uh, of more bureaucracy. Because guess who pays for the bureaucracy, Muzz? Of course. Uh, look, it's more likely going to be us. Of course, you know. So- so this is the problem I have. Uh, Shoot it. You know, what, do they, what do they call it, Muzz? I think the guy said it um, from one of the discussions in, in WA Parliament. I mean, it's a user-pay system, so I don't really want to pay $180 or whatever the price is for you know, a safety certificate. I don't want to pay $100 plus for you know, a permit to acquire it, for example. I don't want one-year licenses, for an example. I mean, you know, the more you put into that registry, the more we have to pay, guys. It's a user-pay system. Do you think the government is going to pay for it if they don't have to? They want you to pay for it to to manage yourself <laughs> i can't believe we're saying this sort of stuff yeah exactly look um here's the thing jason and we'll play we'll play a clip now actually we'll play a clip of uh robert borsak talking about tim fisher okay we'll play a clip right now Robert Borzak is one of the state's upper house members for the shooters fishers and farmers party mr borzak thanks very much for having a chat this morning good morning uh, now you've heard those words there from mr fisher has the NRMA, NRA, not the NRMA, the NRA started to influence Australian gun discussion? No, look, nothing could be further from the truth there. And I mean, uh, Mr Fisher simply doesn't know what he's talking about. What the NRA does in the United States as a gun lobby organisation has no effect, has no direct application or indeed any relevance to what happens in Australia. Our constitution is different, our culture for hunting and shooting and farm control of feral animals is different, everything's different. Now, what Mr. Uh, Mr. Fisher is simply doing, of course, is doing what good nationals do, and that is they've never seen a Liberal Party policy that they don't like. So every time something in relation to shooting or hunting uh, comes up, especially, for example, in this current added debate, he will automatically revert to type and go right back to where he was 20 years ago and start demigrating ordinary shooters, ordinary farmers, people who just want to get on with their lives and actually use firearms in a proper legal fashion. He is trying to pretend, trying to throw us back 20 years where we will be denigrated for another 20 years. It's simply not, not, not effective, and he should just go back to train spotting. Now, let's talk a little bit about the NRMA. Just, oh, I'm sorry, the NRA. I'm going to make that slip up all morning, aren't I? So, <laughs> so, so the, uh, not the NRA. No, that's right. So with the NRA, uh, just how do they operate in, in the U.S.? Uh, just to give people a bit of background, if they're not familiar, they might have heard uh, of the odd reference to it, but just give us a bit of a, a dummy's guide to how they operate. The NRA is, isn't some sort of secret society uh, that uh, um, 
as Mr Fisher would have you believe, some sort of uh, cloak and dagger organisation. It is simply a hunting or, and or more so a shooting, sporting shooting organisation. It's a club that, that spans the whole of the United States and it has a program of spending money lobbying for firearms laws or, or the prevention of firearms laws changing and pr primarily it lobbies over there uh, for Second Amendment. In other words, an amendment to the right to keep and bear arms in the United States. No such amendment ever exists in our constitution in Australia. So whatever they do over there is of absolutely no relevance and has never been applied. They have no presence in Australia. So do we have anything similar in Australia where we're talking about high-level, well-orchestrated, campaign-managing firearms lobby groups, a genuine lobby group? No, we don't. In Australia, what we have, the closest we've got is a party like the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party, but we don't lobby. We're engaged in the political process. We found out over 20 years ago that lobbying politicians, uh, such as Mr Fisher, is a simple waste of time because they'll, on one day, prior to Port Arthur, be your best friend in the world and then a tragedy like Port Arthur occurs and they spend the next 20 years justifying to everybody how they turned on us like mongrel dogs. Rather than look at decent policy and deal with it properly, what we've seen yet again is Mr Fisher trying to justify his turncoat activities in 1996. Now, looking at some of the discussion that's happened in Australia, you, you'd have to admit some of it has been unpleasant from both sides, from both sides, but there has been some unpleasant and sometimes quite uh, aggressive statements made. Oh, I think so, but, I, but you wouldn't have heard any of those aggressive statements coming from our side of politics. What you would have heard is aggressive stuff coming from the Greens uh, and that, that cloak and dagger secret society called Gun Control Australia. Nobody seems to know where they are, how you join it, or indeed... Uh, who actually belongs to it. How damaging to good debate, good, robust, authentic debate can bringing such emotive claims like that the, the NRA is influencing Australia, how, can that be damaging to just good, solid debate because I, people, I, will, people who are certainly anti-firearm at best uh, would, would listen to that and, uh, and start nodding their heads going, you know what, yes, I see that in some of this discussion. So can it damage good, good authentic think, debate? I think that's a good question to ask, and the reality is that's exactly what it does, and that's exactly what it's meant to do uh, by Mr Fisher throwing around these what really are almost anti-gun swear words in Australian media, the NRA, the NRA, the NRA. What he's doing, of course, is trying to shut debate down. What he's trying to do is stop fair debate and a fair assessment and a proper uh, evidence-based approach to our gun laws in, in Australia. Uh, and to a large degree, up till recently, they've been successful. But what we're seeing now is a gradual change, and it's got nothing to do with lobbying, it's got nothing to do with uh, any of the things that he is trying to imply. What it has got more to do is the fact that people, farmers, shooters, are saying, well, hang on a second, um, we're sick and tired of being uh, treated as second-class citizens. What we'd like to do is have a rational debate, stop being adolescent about it, and let's actually take a proper long, slow, hard look at what gun laws mean in Australia and what the Howard Doctrine of removing the right, the civil right, even though it's licensed in Australia, the civil right to keep firearms for individual use, whether that's for sporting purposes or whether that's for hunting or feral animal control. But you can't get to there when you've got uh, superannuated ex-politicians like Fisher after over 20 years simply trying to justify what they know was a wrong decision at the time.
So that was a soundbite from Robert Borzak from the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party from actually back in 2017. Now, he did a pretty good job there. There were a few minor things I disagreed with, uh, but it's interesting how his tune has changed from 2017 uh, to now 2019. Muzz, what were your thoughts on that? You've just heard from uh, Robert Borzak uh, talking about Tim Fisher in a recent ABC interview, right? Tim Fisher is a heavy supporter of John Howard gun laws. Robert Borsak says he doesn't want to tighten or loosen the gun laws, so therefore he supports the current status quo, which is the John Howard gun laws. Tim Fisher is a heavy supporter of registration and all the bureaucracy that goes with it. Robert Borsak is saying that the government has let go the registration and bureaucracy and he wants to fund it properly so that it's working properly. Okay, so, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but that's just puts Robert Borsak and Tim Fisher in exactly the same pool in terms of policy. They believe in the same thing. I don't know why he's on ABC uh, criticising Tim Fisher because he himself is basically saying that he believes in the same things, the status quo, the John Howard gun laws that Tim Fisher believes in. So this is where the hypocrisy is. And, and here's Robert Borsak again on the, on another interview uh, talking about the very same thing. So Jason, we'll play that clip now. Yep, this one is from, they did a press, uh, I guess, a press conference and all the people that were elected were there. So that's Robert Borsak. I think Helen Dalton. Uh, the guy that was elected to Barwon, uh, Roy, I think his name was Roy, Roy Butler, um, and also the member for Orange Phil Donato as well. So, And what you'll also hear here in this video clip is Roy Brosak also throwing One Nation under the bus in terms of the NRA relationship. Let's play that now and then we'll, yep. we'll come back. You said that the party hasn't sought or received donations from the NRA. But have you, your candidates, uh, now your MPs or party officials, received any strategic advice perhaps on behalf or from anyone acting on behalf of the NRA? No. What about phone conversations or meetings? Have any of those people met with anyone on behalf of acting on behalf of the NRA? No, not that I know of. Have you you've ever, never spoken to anyone acting on behalf of the NRA? Have I spoken to anyone acting on behalf of the NRA? Yeah. No. Never had those conversations? I haven't had conversations with the NRA chasing money or any, any such thing. What do you think of the NRA? What do I think of them? I think they're relevant in the U- US context. They're not relevant here. Given um, Mark Latham represents One Nation in New South Wales and One Nation in Australia was seeking donations and influence from the NRA, what, what do you think he should do? He's essentially their arm in, in our parliament. Well, I think, I think what he should do is uh, make it very clear to the people of New South Wales that he doesn't want to see a breakdown of the firearms law and legislation in New South Wales. I mean... For one nation, and he is one nation in this state, to talk about breaking down the firearms laws in New South Wales, to uh, bring in automatic firearms, semi-automatic firearms, whatever you want to call it, and seek finance from them is the most ridiculous and outrageous and almost traitorous thing I think I've ever heard. Because why would anyone want to, in their right mind, bring that death and destruction onto the streets of, of Sydney? I just, I just, I just I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I just can't understand it. It's not, in, it's not in our parties, it's not in our communities, it's not in anyone's interest to do that. Why would you do it? Given that we're at the very start of a quite serious four-year term here where you'll potentially wield a fair amount of power, um, are you happy with the current state of New South Wales state and federal gun laws? Are you happy for them to remain as they are? We're, we're happy that for them to remain as they are, except for the areas that I've just outlined. The firearms registry and the general administration of firearms law in New South Wales has failed and it's failing. And uh, I did quite a lot of media on this during the campaign.
talked about my discussions in the first term with Michael Gallagher and what we sought to try to do to enhance the functionality and serviceability and security of the firearms registry. The regist- one of the suggestions we made t- to the government was that firearms owners' uh, information, uh, where they're located and what, sh- what, uh, what they own and where they own and how, how, how that information is released, should be exempted from freedom of information. Because what we're seeing now is a situation where the, the data relating to firearms owners, where they are, where they store their firearms and who they are, is now being generally distributed and being uh, put onto, the, onto uh, websites, etc., by uh, the anti-gun people. It's unnecessary putting people at risk in that way. It's ju- it shouldn't be done. And there are other examples of that which I'm not going to waste your time on now. The large majority of the population are quite happy with the, with the current laws. They don't see it as an issue. They're more worried about power prices and transport. Why, why bother with them? Well, because the registry is key to the security of the whole process. And when the registry breaks down in its functions, uh, in its processes, in its judgments, in its, you know, in, in its fairness, everything, it puts everyone at risk. I mean, we've seen an example of that, which I'm not going to go into here right now, where the registry failed. This government sought a 30% dividend of staff reductions from a registry that was incapable of dealing with it. If David Linehelm does get up in the upper house, can we rule out uh, joining him anyway on any kind of platform to do anything about weakening gun laws? Absolutely. He's, he's off to the far, far reaches of the right. Our friends in the One Nation are somewhere slightly to the left of that, and we're in the dead centre. That's where we are. So you're saying they're more extreme than you on guns? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. And I might note that Mr Barillaro preferenced the LDP, number two on his ticket. We didn't. But to pick up on one of your previous answers, um, are you suggesting that you could vote as a bloc with One Nation, the LDP? No. No. Ruling out voting as a bloc? We won't be voting as a bloc. We will make our own decisions, as I'm sure they will, on every bill that comes along. We've not had any discussions with anybody. Uh, block voting I don't think will work for us. We'll move and establish a legislated standalone recreational and commercial fishing council made up of representatives from the fishing community that will administer, regulate and police the one million recreational fishers and anglers in New South Wales. All right, guys, you just heard again from Robert Boyd. The interesting part I found about that uh, was about when he asked whether he was going to actually work with uh, the LDP and or One Nation, um, I think the answer was was no. I think they're going to work on some policies, but on regards to uh, changing gun laws, that's what the question that was uh, you know, asked by the young media lady that was there, are you going to work with the LDP on gun laws? And they said no. No, that's right. Well, now they don't have to worry about it, I guess, because the LDP weren't elected. Well, but the point is... <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> but, but the point is, Jason... Right, I find it highly hypocritical that Robert Borsak criticises Tim Fisher when, to be honest, in my opinion, he's become exactly like him. I think it's actually worse. Uh, if we look here too, <laughs> Muzz, the feed, this was uh, one of their business articles, uh, Velvet Winter, 28th of March uh, to 2019 for by Velvet Winter. So I, I got on the page and I've actually highlighted the parts I wanted. It's, and this is quoted from them. SFF have never, ever received any money uh, nor entered into any discussions with the NRA. We do not support American-style gun laws, a party spokesman told the feed. Then I go down a bit further. And it says, S- New South Wales SFF leader Robert Borzak appeared on ABC News Breakfast this morning to confirm that the party had no interest in rolling back gun laws. Quote, they, gun laws, have been working well for a long period of time, certainly since 1996. We never did ask for a situation that we saw in New Zealand, Mr Borzak said. 
So again, another comment from Robert Borzak. Going on to another another article that I've got in front of me, guys. This uh, is abc.com.au. Well, this is basically what it comes down to, Jason. This is not going to sit well with some people. Well, but I can, they've got to be able to hear it. This is the facts. Well, well, this is what they're saying, and you can only go by what they're saying, right? Essentially, what's happened is that the Shooters and Fishers Party are basically no better than One Nation on guns, really, because Mark Latham supports the status quo, right? So, I'm, I mean, it's I'm telling the reason why I'm saying this is because all the shooters out there who think they're voting for a pro-gun party, and what I mean by pro-gun is someone to, who's willing to fight for your rights and expand your rights. I mean, even if they don't ask for semi-autos, I don't think we've – I mean, I, I would like that to happen, but, I mean, even in the interim – even the small stuff, like about appearance laws, suppressors. And, we'll, and we'll get, I wanted to read this article, Muzz, because I think you'll be find this one very interesting. Well, suppressors. I mean, a very important point. Suppressors. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah. Read the article. Yeah. Sh- Shooters Party says gun reform is not a priority in next New South Wales Parliament. So this is abc.net.au. Uh, Kelly Fuller, March 20th, 2019. So I'll go to the most important parts. It says, nobody has ever been, this is quoted, nobody has ever been able to buy an AR-15 in New South Wales and do the sort of shocking damage that white supremacists did. The guns he used were covered off in 1996. Mr Borzak said the party's focus in the next term of parliament was not about gun reform. He's then quoted again, if we have the balance of power, we won't be pushing gun reform issues because they are not the first order of issues for us he said. Now, this is the even more telling part talking about suppressors. As there's another part of the policy action plan talked about uh, supporting family and home protection and increasing the person's right to self-defence. But Mr. Borzak said he had no legislation planned to support this proposal. The Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party lead up a House candidate, Mark Banasiak, said in February that party members wanted sporting shooters to be given access to suppressors, silences or suppressors as they are also known. But Mr. Borzak said Mr. Banasiak was not the leader of the party and did not support any changes to how silences could be accessed. Mr. Borzak said he did not believe it would upset the party's base of supporters if it ran soft on gun reform in the next term of parliament. Actually kind of feel sorry for that guy, probably trying to do the right thing, Mr. Banasiak, and then um, all of a sudden trodden on by the head of the party. Well, read that, read that last uh, sentence there, Jason. And excuse me, guys, I've got a fire engine uh, going past me, so you might hear sirens. That's all right. Mr. Borzak said he did not believe it would upset the party's base of supporters if it ran soft on gun reform in the next term of parliament. So he believes it would not upset the base if it ran soft on gun reform in the next parliament. So this is where I'm actually really confused now, right? Okay. So is he saying that he's, he's, he's not going to push for gun reform this parliament? And maybe he will next parliament, or is he saying that he's never going to push for gun reform? I don't so know. Good question. This is the thing, right? You, you can't you can't rely on these people. This is uh, it's all very wishy washy and 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 quite. But the two um, key points there, Muzz, is the one, the first paragraph where he says, action plan talked about supporting family and home protection, increasing a person's right to self-defense. But Mr. Borzak said he had no legislation planned to support this proposal. Then goes on about Mark Banasiak said in February that party members wanted access to suppressors. Great news, Mr. Banasiak, fully support that. Uh, but Mr. Borzak said B- Mr. Banasiak was not the leader of the party and did not support any changes to how silences could be accessed. My problem is, Jason, I think that... Um uh, I think that the Shooters and Fishers Party here are taking, that's my opinion, are taking a, a different direction, whereas slowly, little bit by little bit, they are going to replace their support base from shooters to farmers. It's that simple. And there'll be a lot of people who are shooters who will be continue to vote for them, thinking they're voting for gun reform or hopefully some gun reform one day that may never, ever, ever come. 
And this is uh, this is the problem I have because if he can't say it publicly, and he clearly can't say it publicly, he has said it publicly in the past, right? But people do change. People are entitled to change their minds and their position on some things. So I think that um, I think the real the question that really should be asked uh, by by some journalist or someone to Mr. Borsak is that have you changed your have you changed your policy and your direction completely in terms of gun laws? Because in the past, you were a heavy critic of the Howard gun laws. You're a heavy critic of Tim Fisher. But now you're singing the same tune, pretty much, uh, based on some of those interviews. So that's what worries me. And, uh, you know, like, it, it actually saddens me, actually, because I understand I want more bums on seats, fair enough. But him actually saying that even if they had the balance of power, they've got no intention of uh, doing anything with gun laws and then he's saying that gun laws is not a priority i mean obviously they've just become the national party but with a better water water policy that's it it's just the national party with a better water policy i can't think of it any other way and it's very sad to be honest because um they, they, I mean, they even go as be... far as saying one you know ldp is far right basically and <laughs> then they say you know, one nation is in the middle and they're at the center and then said they wouldn't be helping out each other obviously david line who hasn't been elected so it doesn't matter but i guess that's a bit disappointing now because in hindsight they have they now have two one nation and one animal justice party so i'm not even sure they're going to be able to get what they want over the line either so again guys we're going to have four years of uh no issues being sorted out for firearms owners we're going to have nothing in fact we're probably going to get more restrictions especially if one nation and you know the animal justice party and the government get together with the greens and screw us over yet again well i just want every shooter to take note of this if you get a lot more oversight on your gun registration if you get a lot more police visits to your house checking your guns if your fees on registration start to increase um as a result of mr borsak pushing for government to do more on this issue then you can thank the shooters and fishers party for that pretty much uh, because uh, he's basically saying that he wants the government to properly fund the registry, I guess more oversight, more bureaucracy, and all of that costs money. And I wouldn't be surprised if the government just all of a sudden said, yeah, no worries, we'll, we'll, we'll get it done. But guess what? You'll, all your members' fees are going up. So, and, and they'll probably do it without telling them either. So that's what worries me. But look, it's just an appalling, appalling uh, position to take, I'll be honest with you. I don't know, I don't know what he's trying to achieve by this, but it would have been a perfect opportunity for him to say that the reason why the government aren't funding this bureaucracy because they just don't believe in it. That they, they they clearly see that it does absolutely nothing um, to uh, help the cause of stopping gun crime whatsoever. And even Stephen Harper, the former, the former um, Canadian uh, prime minister, Canadian prime minister, said that this registry has not done one single thing to save one single Canadian life ever. I mean, that's, that's the Prime Minister of a country saying that, mm. right? And here it is. We've got the proof here in New South Wales. Yet Mr. Borsak, our so-called pro-gun representative, saying, oh, no, no, you know, I, I know better than the Prime Even Minister don't forget of a country. Even in the mid-1980s, you know, remember former Police Minister Ann Tolley out of New Zealand said there's no evidence to show that the private registration will give any greater protection to the community. And people might say, well, they've had a shooting in Christchurch. Registration would not have solved that issue at all anyway. No. So we can I mean, still what, confidently what, it, it, say it, it, that. It wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered whether those guns were registered or not. not. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this, ma- this mad madman 
it probably would have still done the same thing. So and that's you know, another thing about registration as well. In the obviously, a lot of criminals come in as soon as he started shooting people, then he become a criminal. But at the end of the day, too, in the very very minute circumstances where you know a, a alleged a law abiding person who never had a criminal history used guns out against people. I mean, it doesn't stop criminals and it doesn't stop the extremely small, minute people that have a license in doing the wrong thing. So what is the point about the whole thing? You know, what is the point of the whole thing? And and when they start cutting, you know, money out of the registry, I mean, that seems to be an indication that, yeah, the, that the government doesn't see it as being beneficial. Well, this is the result of the New South Wales election, Jason. The new result is, one, it's very sad we've lost a... a, a a strong supporter of gun rights in David Lionholm, and uh, he's retired from politics, and he has given it a good go. No one can blame him for that, uh, but unfortunately, it's not to be. That's one thing. Second thing is uh, the Shooters and Fishers Party have, do not have the balance of power, right? So even if there were going to be any gun laws on the table, which they're not, they certainly don't have the power to change anything or, or the will, I guess, to convince government otherwise. One nation will not be fighting for gun rights at all, Neither will pretty much anybody else. So I can guarantee you guys, for all you people out there who voted pro-gun, uh, you've got absolutely zero out of it. Nothing. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. I mean, that's the sad reality. And, uh, and if the Christian Democrats have got, gotten in, David Lionhelm have gotten in, and we reduced the One Nation down to one and no Animal Justice Party, things might have been different. But then again, as I said, from that previous interview we just heard, Robert Borsley, we said he wouldn't be working with the LDP anyway and won't be working, well, only be working with One Nation on issues where they probably agree. So what? Well, obviously there's bad blood there between uh, David Lionhelm and Robert Borsag. It's no secret. That's fair enough, but... Well, we heard the audio on uh, on Sky News. We seen which person obviously clearly did a better job. One that was uh, you know fighting for my rights, and the other one that was selling me out. Well, listen, my issue is you know you got people like Robert Borsak that refuse to work with people even uh, when they're pro gun. So very that's, scary that's my times. Issue. Man. Going yeah. off on a positive point, what do you think we can do from here, man? What, what's our what's our options from here? Uh, you know, I'm a bit, I guess, deflated. Uh, you might say, and um, you know, me and you were even, well, I don't mind saying on the air, me and you had a discussion about whether we should even continue, you know, doing this segment because, you know, the facts are we're just not really achieving anything. And, we, and when we do get halfway achieving, the program parties won't even work with each other. So what's a positive in moving forward? What, can, what, what on earth can we do? Well, one thing's for sure, okay? Don't, don't think for a second that the shooting vote came from shooters, okay? That came from the country primarily from farmers and people that are sick of the Nationals. And I don't blame them, okay, because the Nationals are absolutely useless. And uh, why wouldn't you vote for someone else? Uh, but the majority of the shooting base, the, the shooting vote, I don't believe it came from shooters and it came from the country. So now, what's happening in the country? Well, um, you know, you've got a lot of uh, farmers and uh, country people that live on land that already got the, all the guns they want, gun gun. The gun debate's not an issue for them, right? So uh, they've got other, other priorities on their, on their plate. So that's pretty much leaves us behind, you know. The guy in the city who, you know, has got um, a safe full of guns, who likes to go shooting, it just basically leaves you behind more or less because uh, I'll be honest with you, Jason, and, I'll make, and I'll, I'll make this promise right now. I'll make it right now, okay? And I'll be happy to do it. If Shooters and Fishers Party put forward a strong, positive change for more gun reform in the next eight years, just once, I will quit this program. I will never, I will never go on the program again. 
And I will say I'm glad to be proven wrong, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen ever. I want them to put forward the government a bill that positively affects gun laws in our favour. Just any bill, anything, anything. That's all I want. I just but I don't want to know, bill but they forward. did last time. Remember the 50 amendments a couple of years ago in regards to the Adler reclassification, and that seems you know, fairly decent, and then it's like they've done a double backflip again. That's last time. You can only judge them by, by their last performance, right? And you heard you heard the audio. You heard Robert Borsak's interviews. You heard the results well, they so, got so it's from not, the Guys, election. I want to make it clear. I want you to, you know, even if you listen to the show, turn it off. Have a listen to what you've heard today on this show. Have a listen to what you've heard and what the audio you've heard from these pro-gun, alleged pro-gun politicians and have a think about where we're coming from. We're not saying this. They're saying it themselves. So if you agree with that, well, then you agree with more. You agree with more restrictions and more policies against shooters that effectively are going to cost us more money and going to make us less safe, in my opinion. The thing that I'm really gobsmacked about is... You know, on that ABC interview, he was, he was wanting another bureaucracy for fishing. I mean, for, for heaven's sake, for heaven's sake, we've got the DPI regulating mum and dad fishermen when they're kids, making sure they don't catch a little, you know, one undersized fish. You know, you've got, you've got to pay a bloody licence to fish in our own sea, in our own oceans, on our own beaches, and he wants even more bureaucracy. He wants another layer of bureaucracy. I want less bureaucracy. Along with the DPI, I mean, I just find that absolutely incredible. But really, I mean, every single day, the, the Shooters and Fishers Party are just are just losing the plot, in my opinion. But are the thing is, we're not losing. hearing it from the other states either. So are they, t- I'd like to know if they're talking to them, saying, what are you guys doing, I guess? But I guess they've got no power in that situation either. Look, there's no doubt the New South Wales election is a great election for the Shooters and Fishers Party. It's fantastic. And good on them, um, whoever, you know, the, the political strategy worked fantastic. Yeah, but for gun owners, it's an abomination. That's for the fact. For gun owners, for gun owners, it's, it's, it's a loss. It's not only a loss; it's an abomination. I mean, <laughs> I'm angry. You know what I mean? I, well, I, I look at these all these comments, and, they, and then for years they've said to us, not them, but their supporters have said to us, you know, oh no, it's you, it's you, you're the problem. Well, here it is, guys, right in front of your faces. You know, can't you see it? You heard it. You heard it. You know, like and you, people say it's my fault, you know, but you heard it, guys. There it is, you know, right in front of your face. If you still believe it now, after the five years that me and Mario, all, everything we've said, every time has come true, we said about the Robert Brown had to go. Eventually, what they do, Muzz, they got rid of Robert Brown, saying he just wasn't performing anymore. Even and their I own suspect- supporters came out and were attacking him on Facebook. We read those, go listen to our last and, straight shooting. And Jason, and I suspect, even Jeez. though Robert, even though Robert Brown was a very poor performer, right? I suspect that he may not have agreed with the new direction that the party seems to be taking, and that's why they punted him. I mean, I guess we'll never know. It's a possibility, but I definitely don't like the direction they're going. I'd love, man, just to wake up in the morning, me and you do a show, and say, "Wow." Shooters and fishers have gone in, and New South Wales have really gone into bat for shooters today. Awesome. Bloody good work. But they don't. They don't. All they care about is farmers now. And like I said before, guys, I get it all the time. People say this and that about economy. This is a pro-firearm podcast, hunting, shooting, getting out there, making sure we've got our rights. You don't have any otherwise. You're not going to have the guns. Okay, so so now I'm asking a hypothetical question. What happens if someone does something stupid in the state forest and accidentally shoots? accidentally shoot someone Gone. In, in this climate now, okay, a shooter's official is going to have going to have the power to do anything about it? No, absolutely not. Mate, the Premier has got no qualms about destroying people's livelihoods on greyhound racing, all right? She's got no problem banning all greyhound racing 
and, uh, you know, trying to get some of those uh, greyhound tracks. Okay, you think they're going to have any problem banning our hunting in, uh, in state forests? Not at all. Mars, we've seen what happened in New Zealand, right? If someone gets shot in a state forest, either another hunter or a person just attending a state forest, state, state forest hunting in New South Wales is finished. God forbid. I mean, God forbid. You know, Take this... care when you're out there, guys. Take care. Absolute care. I hate to say it. We're in this political climate now. That one issue, one person getting shot, majorly injured by a firearms owner, kiss public land hunting goodbye New South Wales. Anyone that assumes otherwise from what we've seen over the climate of the last week or two and the last month before and after the election and before Christchurch and after is kidding themselves. Right? It's going to be gone. In a heartbeat. We, we, we just don't have uh, anyone in power that can resist um, this issue because if the Liberals, if they want to, they can easily side with the Labor or Greens or Animal Justice or anyone else they need, but they really don't need anyone else. <laughs> Well, that's to, right. you know, to get it through. I mean, so, this couldn't have really possibly been the worst, the worst possible played out scenario that we could have even possibly imagined. And um, you know, I had I had a weird thing in my belly that somehow David, even though he'd said he'd been elected, I just I don't know. I had a, I said let's let's not say anything early. Let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what happens. And um, you know, I was proven to be right. And you know, worst nightmares are coming true again. I'm not saying that David was going to be able to achieve anything either. Uh, at the end of the day, but uh, got to right. be better than you know right. working exactly. with SFP and and One Nation as opposed to the Animal Justice Party, for God's sake. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's so, a real sad state of affairs. And you know what? To be honest, Jason, this is a like it's a bit of an evolutionary change. I mean, like I said, we've got a new generation of young shooters in their 20s who have grown up knowing only just the gun laws that we have and the environment that we have. And uh, they don't think uh, there's any need for change. And that's the problem. Uh, so when they think that way, so someone like myself or like yourself or even David Lydon talks about gun laws, you you, you look weird. You sound <laughs> different. You know, I just want them to do better, mate. You know, like I hate having to do this stuff. You know, like I don't want to talk ill of them. I don't want to do that. You know, but I want them to also perform, man. Because if no one holds them to account, no, mate, there's no other podcast in Australia that does all the stuff we do. Everyone is PC, doesn't want to speak out about anyone or anything, and has no conviction. I don't care if I lose followers. I've said that before. I don't care about that. I care about the, the sport of shooting. And, and the further restrictions that are going to come down the line from all the issues that we've seen just recently. That's what worries me. And I'd love to said to wake up and go, yay, shooters and fishers, kicking ass as per usual. Jeez, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? But again, it's disappointment after disappointment after extreme abomination disappointment. And uh, they've doubled down on their negative publicity towards firearms owners over the last... A uh, couple of weeks before and after the election, you know, th- this is no election tactic. That is just bullshit. Um, you know, no, no rights organisation advocates against what they're actually interested in achieving. And I've never, ever seen any organisation advocate against their own interests. Muzz, have you ever seen any organisation that says the complete opposite of what they actually want to achieve? Anyone at all? Can you think of any? No. No, well, exactly. Look, uh, it's it's a piss not. poor weak tactic. They say, well, you guys aren't in parliament. Well, maybe we should be. <laughs> Well, listen, look, uh, I, I'm not really interested in any of that, Jason, I'll be honest with you. Uh, what, what I think is really sad is that, you know what, Robert Borsak and the rest of the party didn't really have to say all those things, right? They didn't really have to say much at all. They could have just dodged the question. It's very simple. It's a typical politician tactic that they all know, okay? And they didn't really have to come out saying those sort of things, but they did. And the fact that they did shows me that they must. they obviously must believe it. Um, well, which, we've, uh, we've played, man, how, how many ha- 
audio yeah. files have we played over the years about this man? And people said, "No, nah, you're wrong. Did you ring them? Did you know what they meant, mate? It's all there. It's all there, guys. You've heard it. If this is not, if this hasn't put you in your place about what their agenda is, you're absolutely kidding yourself. And you must be a militant supporter because you just can't, you just can't look at what's in front of your face. And uh, it just disappoints me extremely. Would you like to advertise on one of the most tech-savvy mediums on the internet? Then why don't you advertise with us on the Australian Hunting Podcast? If you have a product or business that you would like to promote, then we would love to hear from you. Become one of our partner advertisers by calling Jason on 0425 881 967 or email australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. Let's finish it off. Muzz, what do you think we should uh, talk about before we finish off? Uh, anything exciting? I mean, it doesn't, well, Jason, it doesn't seem anything to be excited about at the moment, <laughs> does it? Jason, we, we've been hit for six, mate, I'll tell you right now, in the last two months. We've oh. had the Christchurch massacre. We've had Pauline Hanson stuff up. We've had uh, David Leinholm not being re-elected. We've had shooters and fishers basically saying that they support the status quo. We've had Mark Latham basically saying support, uh, uh, you know, John Howard gun laws. Yeah. Uh, we've we've really we've really have not advanced, uh, despite getting more so-called shooters, fishers, and farmers parties, uh, you know, representatives up. We haven't have not advanced the issue one little bit. In fact, we've probably gone back a step. Absolutely, we have. And uh, you know, maybe even two steps. Who knows? But uh, it's you know, it's very. It's very, very sad, and uh, to be honest, and I just hope and pray that uh, there are no mass shootings, accidental, you know, uh, shootings on hunters in uh, state forests, no disasters whatsoever in the next couple of years, hopefully, uh, so that uh, we don't have to face any kind of uh, prospect of uh, more restrictions. But look, look, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the future holds. I certainly hope the future will be good. I certainly hope there is going to be some sort of movement. But particularly, I hope that I hope that uh, the SSAA or some other organisation start to be a bit more political because I think that's where the real power lies. The real power lies in organisations like the SSAA. And I just don't think that's going to change any time in the near future, but you never know. I could be wrong. As I said, mate, we've been 23 years, and, you know, as I said, I can always give credit to John Tingle and even even Robert Brown, even though I wanted him gone, they did a great job on getting, you know, public land hunting through. That will always be a milestone policy that they got through. There's obviously no doubt about that, um, and it should be implemented in other states like Queensland as well. But beyond that, and I feel as if, even though Robert Brown's gone now, that um, I think, you know, even, though, even though I say Robert Borzak sometimes does say the right things, I just think, uh, I won't say he destroyed the party per se, but I think there's been an evolutionary change uh, over the last, say, 10, 10 years since he became uh, involved with the party. And I think ultimately they'll come to look at that one day and realise that was a major mistake. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they'll probably they probably like it because they're pretty much trying to replace the nationals, and if they're successful, which I, yeah, you know, the in last a way, thing I, I want to see is another nationals, mate. You know, they're bad enough as it is. <laughs> Let's get you know, know. like Look, it's good they took their seats. That is great news. I mean, anywhere until we can see nationals not, you know, keeping their yeah, positions yeah. is great. But well, anyone's going to be better than nationals. I mean, you can't get much worse than the nationals. Um, but look, uh, at the end of the day, if they're going to replace the nationals, uh, in my opinion, they're going to more or less have to become just like them. 
and with the the only change being that they've got a different water policy and different health policy maybe you know like the vegetation that's it i'd love to see so, how this plays out over say the next four to eight years whether they're going to get more seats and you know but they've already said they're not going to change anything in the next four years and it's not their priority so i don't know what to do mate uh, i wish there was just some premier you know double s double a stood up and started you know i don't know do anything really anything would be nice wouldn't it well they can't even agree on suppressors so deflating, I mean, so deflating, isn't it? It's deflating. It's and if you guys feel a certain sadness and like, <laughs> like just disappointment, like we do. <laughs> if, if you feel a certain sadness and disappointment in our voices, it's because we are We're absolutely. So, so you know, it feels like eight years, disappointed. Of, you know, been doing this just to just to achieve nothing, pretty much, guys. And I want to just my final thing before we finish off. I did send. You know, which I'm not sure if I told you, I did send the Patreon supporters a message and I said, you know, guys, what do you think about this? This is not a great result for shooters in New South Wales. It's, we keep getting, you know, screwed over at every opportunity. And um, I pretty much got their post there. I want to read them. And I said, you know, should we even continue with something like straight shooting? Is it beneficial? Even though it's our most popular show on the platform, is it, is it worthwhile when not really achieving anything? You know, Muzz gives his time. I give my time. For what sometimes? No changes. And Chris said, please stay with some sort of political show, mate. I've seen your show turn fuds into shooters. Uh, Then Brendan follow up. Stick with it, guys. You've certainly educated me into being more political and countless others. Yes, I'm upset David didn't get elected and am a little bit pissed with the SFP for failing their core voters. Unfortunately, politics is a shitty business, but we can't give up the fight now. The shooting sports are on the rise and we need to be more positive and we need more positive uh, voices than ever. So that was nice of them to put that in there and... You know, and say, listen, was it valuable to them? And, you know, that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. And I guess we well, can't I mean, do much I'm more. A, we obviously can see that the Straight Shooting Podcast is popular with all the listeners out there. And I hope you guys enjoyed this one, even though it's a bit of a. Even though we're right wing trigger happy, Muzz. We, you, know, <laughs> you haven't shot a gun for about two years, but you're right wing trigger happy, my friend. You should stop, mate. That. You're a bad man. Mate, I, I don't think I've bought a box of bullets for a year. <laughs> but you're like, right you know, wing. You're, you're far right. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been called a far right before gun owner, but geez, you know. But you know that's a G up when they start talking about uh, yeah. uh, registration. But you know what? Look, look, some some people think we're LDP shills or whatever it is. To be honest, Jason, the way I feel about it, right? It's not a, it's not a personality thing at all. I wouldn't have given I wouldn't have given a crap if David wasn't elected at all. Uh, if all these SFP guys were actually pro-gun were saying it, I would have been, well, great, we've got someone there that's pro-gun. Great, let's but get that, two more. This is fantastic for shooters. Yeah, you know, that's fantastic. But to, but, to, but to not have uh, David elected and then to hear the sort of things that Rob Borsak was saying was really kicking the guts. Well, it, it actually gets worse, you know why? So we remove him just quickly. We talk, and then Fraser Anning's probably going to be, unless he's done something magical over the last year, he, <laughs> he may or may not hold his seat. I'm leaning towards the no with the amount of votes he has to get. Yes, he's been quite polarizing. He is becoming quite popular in that circle. But, uh, you know, what happens if he goes too, man? Who else is there? So the two people saying absolutely fantastic things about guns are now gone. Well, that's it. And uh, look, uh, well, it's very likely that Fraser Anning may not get elected so because he needs a huge amount of votes to get re-elected. And, um, and uh, well, not re-elected, elected because he was put in there, wasn't he, by, by, um, by Malcolm Roberts leaving. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah correct, yes. 
All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope uh, myself and Murray didn't bore you too much. I hope we see some changes over the next four years. But, you know, I guess we'll hold our breath and wait and see. Uh, you know, if you obviously want to email me, australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. That's if you want to leave us an uh, email. But obviously, leave us a voicemail, guys. If you think there's something pertinent, you agree with us, disagree with us, go on the website, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au and click on the right-hand side scroll bar and you'll see where it says leave voicemail. There, You can leave a voicemail up to three minutes. Uh, leave it and we'll absolutely play it on the show whether you disagree or agree if you've got other topics that you think are important you want us to discuss or what your thoughts and opinions are on certain topics within the you know shooting and hunting community please send them in we'd love to of course hear from you and uh, we do get a lot of emails and sometimes they do build up guys and I, I don't get to every single one of them I get to like 99.9% of them but uh, anything to finish off Muzz that you think's uh, uh, pertinent for the listeners to know? Yeah, well, I mean, look, we appreciate all your opinions, guys, whether you agree or disagree, like Jason said, and we'd love to hear from you because uh, this is what we want. We want conversation. We want uh, a good, robust uh, discussion about issues, and we're quite happy to put you on air if you want or, you know, leave a voicemail, which all quite happy to just read out one of your emails. So, all yeah, we please. want is a better deal for shooters, Mars. That's all yeah, we want. That's hey, it. At the end we of just the day. want a better deal for shooters, and we also want, a political situation where we are able to resist a meaningful resistance to any kind of draconian laws in the future. So this is the this is the point that we're trying to make. And unfortunately, I don't think that you're going to be able to do that if you all you're doing is supporting the status quo. Because when you support the status quo, you're always going to give up another inch and another inch and another inch until you have nothing. Well, so, look, look what happens, mate. They, we get the status quo. We don't win. We even the people that are full on, we don't win. So it's it's <laughs> seems like we're chasing problem. our tails. And at that's times. the problem. But anyway, guys, thank you very much for uh, listening to the show. I know it was a very long one. We thank you to all our sponsors and all the people on Patreon. Uh, we appreciate your listenership and your patronage. Uh, you guys, without you guys, you know this uh, this show wouldn't be able to go ahead. And me and Jason probably still be doing it anyway because we love it. <laughs> yeah, so thanks for listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast. My name's Jason. I'm Buzz. Thanks, guys, and we'll see you next time. You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHP Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.